Once again, it was Christmas Eve. Night was falling, and the lamplighters were plying their trade. Hey, 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 light the lamp, not the rat, light the lamp, not Whoops, the rat! My what apologies. Are you doing? Put uh, me out, put 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 me out! What? to the suspicious. As always, I'm Lindsay Wilkins, and we're in for another Christmas triple. But this time, it's that special homemade gift you get, or actually watching these movies um, last this week. It's more about our Christmas legends and how we tell them. It's a triple of Debbie Islet's Nativity, got to remember the explanation point, uh, Michael Doherty's Krampus, and Brian Henson's The Muppet Christmas Carol. And here with me to get into the Christmas spirit, is a scholar, podcaster, and all-around amazing person. It is Laura Cannon. Hey, how's it going? Hi, good. Thank you for having me. That was an amazing intro. I, uh, uh, my imposter syndrome is like, <laughs> scholar, an amazing person. What is this? So thank you. <laughs> well, you did, in fact, do something I've always wanted to do and was very seriously jealous and loved the fact that you got she, you worked hard enough and you actually got to go away a study abroad. So um, I was always just applauding you every time I saw something of you doing something. Like, I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I found out that I actually did pass, so I get to graduate in April, so I'm very excited. Excellent. Yes, just because, uh, well, a little behind the scenes, you did send me one of your video essays, which was amazing, by the way. I don't oh, think I actually told you. you how much I loved it, but it was so, so good. It was like a female version of uh, looking at three movies um, of folk female-led folk horror, which was uh, absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was for my um, dissertation thesis project. Mm. No, yeah, that, that that was really, really fascinating. I think the movies was the, oh, now I kind of remember. One of them was definitely The Wind or The Prairie, one with the demon wind, um, which actually makes that movie sound more sillier than it actually is because it's actually rather <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> I think it is a very scary movie. But yeah, it was um, The Wind, Demons of the Prairie, um, uh, dearest sister yes and tigers are not afraid yes tigers are not afraid i ne- now i need to go uh, that's the movie i wanted to track down was dearest sister because that one looked amazing uh yeah it's so good uh maddie doe is that was her i think her third feature mm. um if you have have you seen her newest one i think it's called the long walk no um, i've got it on my watch list somewhere but i haven't got around to watching it it's it's very good it's different um than dearest sister is Mm. and definitely you can like see her growth as a filmmaker um but yeah i just love dearest sister so much it's um it's a ghost story but a different 
kind of ghost story than I'd ever really seen before. Mm. And I just think it's brilliant. No, that that looks absolutely amazing. I'm just looking up the long walk and I'm like, yes, please. I need to actually find this movie. Um, No, but no, I've been looking forward to getting you back on the podcast. And I know you mentioned like ages ago, Christmas movies. I'm like, Laura, I might say if she, does she light them up at Christmas Carol? And then you also suggested nativity and um, said you love Krampus. I'm like, well, that's the triple. <laughs> And I hadn't even thought about that they're all, like you said, stories mm. or uh, legends, depending on what you believe. Um, yes. And I really, I love that. That is a brilliant way to tie these three together. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. And thank you for having me on here because I do, I love Christmas movies. And I think Muppet Christmas Carol is one of my favorite movies, not just Christmas movie, but favorite movies. I came to that conclusion when I was watching it last time. I think, I think there's a point. This is just my favorite movie. It's no longer my just favorite Christmas movie. And I think it's just one of my favorite movies in general. <laughs> I was just like talking along with the dialogue. I was just like, going, yeah, I, I love this movie so much. Yeah. I had, um, a really bad moment in college mm. where I was at a party and I'm sure I'd had a little too much to drink yeah. um, and was talking to some guy about it and then decided the best way to like, I, I don't know, get him to date me or something was to prove to him that I knew the lyrics to all the songs. So I think I put on like a one woman concert. That is amazing. Oh my God. Oh, just to, to, that would have been, that would have been, um, I was probably you had to be there kind of night, but I wish I was there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my brother-in-law was, and he still gives me a hard time about that. <laughs> oh, that is so, so cool. Cause actually the, the one thing I've always, well, we'll get into it when we get into it. I, the songs had to grow on me. But I think we should probably um, settle down. I love this idea of this triple, especially this first movie, which will be uh, Nativity because there's an exclamation point. So you have to kind of yeah. yell it. Um, we're going to start with that one, then go into Krampus. And then, of course, uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol, which we will probably nerd out a lot and gush and just totally fall in love with. But before, as I wanted to imagine, the curtains are opening. Um, Laura, what would your trailer be for Nativity? So my trailer is going to be for a movie that a lot of people would probably say, like, why would you do this? This is a terrible movie, but I love it. Um, it's All I Want for Christmas from 1991. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It begins with a little girl. I bet you want to be a ballerina when you grow up, huh? What if I'm fat? What if my head's too big? Wait till I'm in third grade. Then I'll pick a career. A little dream. Can I use the lap? Sure. No, we really gotta talk. You can't ask Santa Claus for that. And a little magic. <laughs> to remind us... Oh, you're back. I'm back. It's a Santa Claus, not Dear Abby. That Christmas is something to believe in. I had to see him. This is special. Not all mom and dad should get back together, but I should. What is it? What's wrong with her? Uh... She was feeling fine, and all of a sudden... Is mommy coming? Wow, you look gorgeous. Paramount Pictures proudly presents a movie about a family, about a wish. Um, has the amazing Lauren Bacall in it, Thora Birch, uh, Harley Jane Kozak, um, yeah. and Leslie Nielsen as Santa Claus. Oh, I have seen this. I have not seen, I don't think I've seen this since 91, but yes, I do know this movie. <laughs> Um, it's, it's not an amazing movie by yeah. any means, but it's, I don't know. I just love it. And that's 
when I was thinking about these trailers, I was like, okay, what kind of fits in with the movie, but also what's special to me for Christmas. And so this is one of those movies. My sister and I, we just really love it. And we watch it every couple of years. Um, and I feel like tonally they're complementary, even mm-hmm. though they don't really have anything in common. Um, but they both are very heavy on the Christmas theme. Um, and so I think I think this would be a good trailer. No, I think it would be an amazing trailer. Yeah, I do remember this. I have vague memories. I haven't seen it since I was a kid, but I do remember Leslie Nielsen because I got very, very excited that he was in the movie. Um, <laughs> um uh- yeah, because I was like, oh, oh shit, it's 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 airplane guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, basically, for those who haven't seen it, it's a story about two kids whose parents uh, split up, and it's kind of a Christmas caper thing to get them back together. Uh, that is, yeah, that is, yeah, that's going to be an absolutely perfect trailer. Um, I'm not going to choose. Actually, I'm not, uh, do I go for the, da, da, da. I going to go actually screw it i'm gonna go for my obvious one this isn't really a christmas movie though i think for some reason i you can just it's a, just a joyful movie and that is 1996's matilda once upon a time there was a girl named matilda hi dad get in the car melinda matilda whatever who was extraordinary in every way pretty soon you'll be able to do any multiplication whether it's two times seven or or 13 times 379. 4, wow. She can multiply large sums in her head. So can a calculator. But in a world where grown-ups make all the rules. I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big and you're small. I'm right. And you're wrong. In a school where the principal... In this school, I am God! ...has no principles. Trunchbull used to be in the Olympics. Shot put, javelin, hammer throw. She will discover... Somebody's going to teach her a lesson. Deep inside herself... You should believe in whatever power you think you have inside of you. A secret weapon... To even the odds. Purely because oh. of uh, Pam Darris, um, who's not playing the nice principal in this one. <laughs> Yeah, this is not a Christmas movie, but it's that really great family movie, which sometimes kind of has the same feel as that. And it's Matilda. This this movie is directed with a plum by Danny DeVito, and it's just incredibly sweet. Yes, that's (laughs) another movie that I love. And I think, yeah, that's a perfect trailer for this. Mm. Um, That would be great. Yes. No, it's a really fun movie. I haven't seen it for a while, so I really need to get onto watching it, but I just... Yeah, I just remember being so much fun. And Pam Darris as Trench Trunchbull is a performance, one of those performances of a lifetime. So when I realized that she was playing a principal in Nativity, I got very excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, she is. She is so good, so scary in that role. Yeah, um, she, she was what I imagined her to be in the book. This was a book I just mm-hmm. read over and over again as a kid, and that she it was her brought to life. Exactly. Yeah. Um, because I, I came to the book later, I think maybe around the time that the movie came out, because I was very much into like reading the books before I saw the movie type of thing. And when I saw her on screen, it was like, yeah, she, they plucked her right out of my brain. Yeah, they, they really did. Um, and with that, we're going to go see a very different interpretation of her <laughs> being a principal. Um, and that is, of course, 
the 2009 Nativity. Now, when you had first suggested this, I hadn't even heard of this movie. So um, this was kind of, this was pure joy. Actually, I really did fall in love with this little weird, messy little movie. Through to the next round. There's not a next round. You've got a classroom assistant starting. Mr. Madden's such a grumpy cross. Can we give it down over there, please? Oh, Madden's. How's that dreadful school? <laughs> I'm doing the nativity again. Hollywood producers coming. Hollywood are coming to St. Bernadette's. Yes. To film your show. Yeah. Make a film out of you. And a book. A big Hollywood company are coming here to see our nativity. And we're all going to be famous! Yeah! Hollywood are going to be coming to see our nativity play. We can hardly believe it. Oh, it's a lie. It's not true. The whole town is buzzing with the news. I made it up. I'm sensing a lot of anger. <laughs> Follow your heart. I'm thinking I can see my boy Dante. He's eye candy for the girls. He's 11 years old. Have you seen the looks he gets in the playground? All these girls are like... <laughs> when did you first see this? <laughs> a few years ago. I saw the second one, um, Nativity 2, Danger in the Manger, uh, first, because David Tennant is in it, and that was around the time that, yeah, he plays twins. It's not his best performance, Mm -hmm. um, but that's, so I watched the second one, and the second one is very, very silly. Um, And then we were like, you know what? Let's watch the first one. Martin Freeman's in it. This is, you know, that should be fun. And everyone in my family really loves this. I think the music is so good. Um, And yeah, it's, we don't watch it every year, but at least every other year or something like that. um, And at Christmas, I'm always listening to the music from it. The music is really surprisingly good. It's it's kind. Of, it took me a minute to figure out what this actually was because I'm like Martin Freeman's in it. What this is this is even before. This is probably just after he did The Office, I think. And I'm just like, what what is this weird thing? Um, yeah. And you're watching it, and then I'm like, okay, what the hell is Mark uh, uh, Wooten? Uh, which we'll get into because I had a very specific timeline with how much I could handle of him. And then, but, oh. um, but he was when he was funny, he was adorable. But this uh, the whole just to sort of break it down so people don't know, this is a kind of very, um, this Catholic, very, very kind of normal uh, Catholic school is putting on their usual nativity play. And Martin Freeman, who's kind of just had enough of everything, is being charged to direct because he went to drama school for three years. Um, Then now as a primary teacher. And he does not want to do this. and there's a whole bunch of other things that are going on as we'll get into. I mean, this movie throws everything at the wall to see what sticks. <laughs> um, literally a kid off a freaking cathedral as well. Um, and it's kind of just this process and it's all improv. Like, I don't think they actually had a written script. They just sort of had scenes. And it is pretty much Martin Freeman and Mark Wooten trying to um, mobilize these tiny children into doing this nativity um musical and it is it is so goddamn charming (laughs) yeah um it's like you said they kind of throw everything at it because there's a rivalry with another school yep trying to get um the five-star review in the newspaper of all all people (laughs) 
um, there's, I mean, they're pretty much the worst teachers ever, I think. Yes. Um, not just because I'm certain the kids don't learn anything, but they're not like Martin Freeman. He's really mean to everybody. He's checked um, out. I mean, you do see him kind of evolve into a great teacher by the end. Um, which is kind of the cool arc of his kind of thing. Like you, he just hates his job. He hates what is, mm-hmm. everything is going on. Um, and he really doesn't care about the kids. And he's really mean. And then by the end, he's like super teacher. <laughs> yeah. But they also literally take the kids to a hospital to watch a baby being born. So <laughs> that was actually pretty funny. I was like, oh, they're not going to, oh, they're actually doing <laughs> Yeah. Um, Life experience, um, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he, at one point, accidentally kidnaps two children and takes them to America uh, <laughs> yes. for X number of days. We don't know how long. Oh, my God. The the fact that, because, um, yeah, the fact that no one called the school to go, hey, so where are my kids? <laughs> yeah. And the, you know, Mr. Poppy, um mark wooten somehow gets their passports as well it's one of those things like you can't ask too many questions or think about it but at the same time it's just kind of like yeah i don't know how this happens but it's so charming Um, yeah Uh, debbie Eisler and her husband who also edited the movie this is an incredibly homemade movie which i love just pointed the camera at a bunch of kids and just went go and one thing I really did love about these movies, uh, this movie is that the kids feel normal. I think there's um, one kid who's the the tiny little one who's the most adorable. Um, he went Bob. on. To, yeah, Bob. He went on to do some other things, but these are just kids acting like kids. There's yeah. no kind of, um, they can't all sing. Some of them can very much dance. Like you really see them being able to do some amazing things, but some of them, their talent is burping. And that's <laughs> something that should be celebrated. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the one kid he can make his face turn red. Oh my god, you're like, oh they're like, oh my god, is you okay? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, so it's kind of this wide range. And the whole thing in the movie, which is quite sweet, which is kind of why I fell for, is um it's kind of don't put pressure on these on your kids to be the best. Just let them be kids. And I think this movie kind of allows these kids just to be kids in the movie which you don't see very often i mean yeah bob's the show off and you can kind of tell he's the one who's got in front of the camera and went oh this is what i want to do um but everyone else is just kind of being a kid and so when they fight when they kind of talk and when they do anything it feels completely natural it doesn't feel like they're putting on anything yes um and that's yeah, it's really wonderful. The performances are, they don't feel like performances. No. Uh, no, they don't, which is probably why Mark Wooten probably stood out a bit because you can tell he's performing a little bit. Like, because yeah. um, he's being the big, he's kind of the teacher's aide and he's just being the extra big kid. I mean, and you can kind of tell he's working in a few things. Um, but there are some really, really cute moments like when he's like getting the kids warmed up and he's making them doing sexy dances or... Oh. Uh, <laughs> You just see Martin in the back going, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that's a super fun scene. Because yeah. uh, everybody is, yeah, just so in it and just going along. I wonder, like, oh, how long were they filming that? And um, what all did he put them through? Kind of, that would be a fun kind of bloopers thing to see. It um, would. 
Yeah, because the scene starts off for actually quite a long time because he's just doing normal. He's wearing something goofy, but that's kind of him. He's doing these kind of, you know, these normal kind of dance moves just to get the kids warmed up. And all of a sudden he's on his knees yeah. <laughs> grinding and all the kids are on their knees, but not quite grinding. And Martin's just standing in the back looking at him side going, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I would have um, loved to see the process to build up to that a bit more, but it does. Yeah. It works really well. <laughs> Uh, back to Bob, we were talking about it uh, the other night mm. when I was watching it with my parents and because he's the fourth wise man in the nativity. Yes. And I <laughs> told my parents, I was like, I bet that he just showed up and started stealing the show. And they were like, we just got to work him into more stuff. Yeah. Like he's he does because he's sort of he's in the background a bit and then he gets called oh you can be Gollum when because the whole thing is that um Martin Freeman because he has this rivalry with uh um uh Jason Watkins I think who's like the posh uh the, at the posh Catholic school who always gets the five stars for their for their nativity performances um he says oh no I've got a big producer coming to see the show the kids are going to go to Hollywood and which just whips up the school into this frenzy. Um, the fact that there's this, because his ex-girlfriend went over to um, LA to be a producer, which is why he said that in the first place, his ex-girlfriend. And it's on the news, it's newspapers, everyone's so excited. And it, he kind of realizes he has to just go with this lie and try to get a Hollywood producer to come and see the nativity play, which kind of goes to the, one of the greatest um pitch meetings of all time when he kidnaps two children to take them to LA um sorry and it is yeah so you kind of get this kind of thing and he's like oh no what have I done um so he's trying to get the kids into sort of shape and it's very much the underdog story I mean from the beginning no one expects anything out of these kids and they never get five-star reviews um and yeah that's just kind of the whole kind of thing and so you have um Jason Watkins just kind of over his school just glaring about the fact that this producer might show up to this nativity play (laughs) yeah oh and he's hilarious and the kids in that school do a really good job of just taking everything so seriously oh my god Um, yeah and I really love it because he decides that they're going to do their nativity play based on Herod because nobody ever does it and it's dark and it's edgy. Um, and then when he asks the kids, he's like, who's going to be my Herod? All the little girls shoot their hand up. And I'm yes. like, ah, yes. I know the school. I, I I know the school. I know those kids. But no, I love the fact when you actually see a bit of the play, it is amazing. <laughs> Because it is so dark, and you're just like these ten year olds, just like screaming, "My child, my child!" <laughs> yeah, and then there's a bit where they've got a baby doll, and they like rip it apart, and there's red fabric in it, I guess, to look like blood. And uh, you know, all those kids were like, "Cool, this is so cool!" And then yeah. like Alan Carr's like almost giving it a standing ovation. <laughs> yeah. He's playing the he's playing the snarky critic. Um, for people who know um, Alan Carr is is. Uh, british comedian but i was just like he's in this movie too shit um but it is just yeah it's that kind of it's that kind of energy it constantly changes and then all of a sudden you'll get this moment when these two boys have this fight because they're both up for joseph Mm. um and then martin gives this most authentic teacher speech i've ever heard someone give and i don't think he's a teacher but he goes look you're really talented but you keep doing silly stuff and i keep having to punish you you need to stop the silly stuff um otherwise you can't be in the play and I just went 
oh my god i feel like guilty (laughs) i'm sitting there going oh shit i I put my head down but it was this it was kind of that moment when i realized oh this movie is kind of being very natural and letting kind of these natural moments happen and not just going for the complete and utter silliness it was a really cool little moment pam freese has a couple uh daris has a couple of them as well yes Uh, you know it really has a lot of heart yeah for how silly it does get at times Mm. like you know animals running through the school and uh stuff there are some some really good moments in it um yeah and i i think that's what that's what makes it good because if it was just pure silliness all the time which Mm. is kind of how i feel the subsequent ones move into yeah then it's just kind of like ah, that's fine um but that's why we my family watches this one more often than the sequels (laughs) yeah because it it does i mean there's this amazing i'm jumping all over the place but this amazing speech uh no there's actually one moment before when the rival school comes to spy on the um the kids and what they're doing and they notice because they're just like standing all by the wall just looking <laughs> in the windows like they're not trying to hide it very well and so they run out and there's like this big brawl between the kids and even the teachers are getting into it like they're like mr poppy's just like beating on children <laughs> um and there's this amazing and then they're in the office and the principal's just like going, what the hell were you thinking if you know and she literally says if people weren't coming, if people, very important people from America weren't coming to see this um, production, you both would be fired. Like that's just, and it kind of reminds you, oh, this is actually set in a form of a real world because yes, that's what actually happened. You engage in a brawl with your students on the school ground, you would get fired. And when she also realizes that Martin Freeman's accidentally kidnapped two children, who just happened to have their passports on them. Um, it's like, I'm, I love that moment. I'm not taking two eight-year-olds on a live-an-hour flight. And then you see them in LA. <laughs> just like sitting on the bags like their luggage. Um, and when she sees the fake um, permission slip from that uh, Mr. Poppy has drawn, like illustrated almost, um, that's when she goes, well, yeah, you're both fired. You can't kidnap kids. And <laughs> that is something you can't do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's a moment too where he's talking about that they're gonna the town council's trying to get corporate sponsors, and he's like, "This is fraud." Now, you know, we can go to jail for this, and it's yes. like, "Oh yeah, most films like this wouldn't." They just kind of gloss over that and be like, "Ah, that's a that's a detail we don't need to worry about." <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's like they do that. I mean, the the most amazing thing is when he they they actually do go to LA. They got the kids. And they have to sneak into, I think it's Paramount. I can't remember which studio it is, but it's one of the big ones. And they're sort of running away from a security guard. They finally get um, to see his ex-girlfriend, who you find out is not actually a producer. She's a secretary, but she works at at Paramount. And they do this pitch to this um, producer. And he's like, every school around, a lot of schools around the world is doing an activity. What makes yours so special? And then they do the song. Um, they do one of the songs, which is a great, but it's completely daggy, which is meant to be. And mm-hmm. he's just like shrugging his shoulders, like, what, why am I here? What, what's going on? It's got these very realistic moments um, that ground the movie. So when something extraordinary does happen, um, you do actually believe that they, they actually do it like the facts when um, I think it is 
uh, Ashley Jensen's trying to convince her boss to go all go over way to Coventry because it's a set in Coventry in, in England. Um, we should go over there and watch it because, like, for three years, I have you know taken your coat, I have filed for you, have done all these things. It just goes, yeah, that's because you're paid to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to give you, there are no favors being exchanged here. <laughs> yeah. I, when I saw that the first time I was like, oh, wow, that's mm. like, that's a real moment there because yeah, that's your job. You're doing your job. Mm. Um, where, yeah, in other movies, they would have been like, oh yeah, we have to, I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to think up a scenario and it didn't happen. So, but <laughs> they would not, have that moment of reality like that no because usually it's built up to the fact that the loyal assistant has been there for the boss for forever and they finally come around to see how special they are and then they grant them this favor and he's just like no you've only been working for me for three years i pay you what else do you want yeah <laughs> yeah and she says kind of the most i'm not being loyal i file for you i take your hat and coat i direct your meetings he's like yeah i pay you to do all that <laughs> that's not that's not special <laughs> <laughs> he spoiler he does actually end up going to the to the nativity in spectacular fashion but that i did like that moment there was these tiny little moments where you're just like okay this is actually in a reality and it's got pathos it's got all these kind of beautiful things kind of woven in and then you can have the absolute silliness that this movie is as well it works really well yeah it does um yeah, um i just Love it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah. Say, um, what do you have a favorite song from the actual nativity play they put on at the end? So I think probably Sparkle and Shine is my favorite yeah. uh, song, but they're all really good, actually. Um, it's funny, too, because <laughs> at moments they're kind of inappropriate, too. Yes. It's like, this is, uh, I'm, I don't know if it's necessarily a sacrilegious nativity, but th there are moments that it's like, um, these are five to eight year olds that are saying these things. It really is. You got the sense they don't, yeah. Like, I love the fact that uh, Mary and Joseph have a love ballad. I have never seen that in a nativity before. And I was like, oh, that's kind of awesome. It's two six year olds yeah. <laughs> singing. <laughs> She's kind of neat. I'm just like, yeah, yeah. that's adorable. But yeah, this does feel like, um, and the British do have a really great way of making their kind of uh, Christmas episodes where they do the nativity kind of sacrilege. Um, if you've ever seen something like the Vicar of Dibley does that constantly. Um, and considering it's about a vicar in a small town, that that is always funny to me. I remember, well, I didn't grow up in it because it came out in 99. If it had a trailer, I might have used it. It's called the Flint Street Nativity uh, from 1999. It was a TV movie, but they pretty much got every single big comic of the day um adults and they played children putting on this nativity and it's kind of like everything that could go wrong went wrong and it is but it's also adorable and sad because you have these um kids whose p parents are getting divorced who've got all these other things going on that they don't quite know how to grapple with so they do it by just kind of acting out um uh, act, pretty much just acting out when they're meant to be doing this thing. The most heartbreaking thing is you have the, the kid who's the narrator um, and he's, he's, he's um, his mother didn't show up or someone didn't show up. And by the end of it, he, he's just crying on stage. It's just, Aww. which it is, but it's completely believable because you can tell these things have probably happened over when you get eight year olds to do nativities, all these things would have happened 
like someone puts a like a lizard on the projector <laughs> um, so there's a lizard on the background so that he can create this monster thing that they wouldn't let him do and kind of things like that it's completely adorable but it does break your heart a little bit and this one kind of did as well I don't know what it is about kids putting on shows but I get very weepy <laughs> oh uh speaking of lizard on the projector that made me think about the fact that they let I think a five-year-old run the sound and lights at the nativity <laughs> oh what's a five-year-old doing what's a five-year-old doing this is insane and then all the lights go out and you're like yeah that would happen <laughs> yeah he plugged like 14 different plugs into each other and was like it just went out yeah, it just went out. So they have to, he used to go, quick, okay, I do love Mark Wooten's uh, mono, um, uh, the mono brow he gave himself for the production. Oh, I thought yeah. that was, that was amazing. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 It's, yeah, it's just, it's got, it keeps doing this thing where you, yeah, they, Mark Wooten takes the kids, uh, Mr. Poppy takes the kids to, to see an actual birth so they can actually understand what it would be like during the nativity. They add a, but then they'll do it. They'll add a fourth wise man so they can do like a boy group so they can sing like a take that kind of song, um, which I thought was friggin' adorable. Um, they keep doing all these weird, silly things. Where did they get the camels from? Serious. <laughs> you know, that's what my dad asked. And I was like, I guess probably the same place they stole all the other animals from because they're sheep thieves. They're sheep. There's donkeys. Someone gave donkey oh. food and he's a bit pooey. I'm like, oh my God. Like, yeah, it's just like, it turns into a zoo because they ended up performing it in Coventry Cathedral, which is kind of like this old, gorgeous ruin um, of an old cathedral. And then they just drop a child from the top, like that poor kid, which they probably didn't do. He probably didn't do the stunt, but the implication is they've taken him right to the top, hung him with cables and he descends from the heaven. I'm like, don't do that to an eight-year-old, please. Yeah, the mom passes out. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that is a very accurate reaction. Yes, if you did not know that your child was going to be distended from the top of a tall thing and then dropped and then pulled back up, um, which is insane. But no, the show is just, it's kind of bigger than I think it was ever meant to be, but I think it kind of works. And that speech that Pam Darris gives at the end um, when she kind of realizes it's going to happen whether she likes it or not, all the cities, even though there's no producer, all the cities kind of getting behind these kids. And she goes on stage and says, okay, make sure you don't expect too much. They're five-year-olds. And then she slaps her hand and goes naughty, which is kind of a way a teacher, like every time I serve a teacher, I know because they're talking to me like I'm a child and they've got to go, no, they're teachers. This is just how they talk to people because they have to talk to six-year-olds all day. You, there's a way you talk. And she does that. And no, we've always sort of said our don't expect too much from our kids, but look what they've done. And I think this is going to be the best show because we actually believed in them. We actually sort of said, you can do this. And I think I was like going, oh, this is like the nice Miss Trunchbull. I love it. <laughs> she says, each of these children are a little pocket of stardust. Yes, it is such a beautiful line. And it is all about kind of these adults who are kind of all jaded, except for Mr. Poppy, who just never grew up, lives in a caravan outside the school, which I'm like, that is the most British thing ever. Um, <laughs> and really dodgy, by the way. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. And he never grew up, but everyone else is kind of just having to remember what it's like to be a tiny person. 
and how you see the world and how everyone's just constantly putting this pressure on you to be, to grow up quickly and not let them be kids. I mean, the amount of times the kids just change their mind and just like, no, I don't want to go on stage. No, this is not the one that always wears the hat. And he's like, you know, have you done this? Have you calmed? Have you breathed? Have you taken, have you taken off your hat? She's like, yeah, tried that. (laughs) It's It's, um, or did you try a different hat or so? I can't remember what he said, but it was sort of watching Martin Freeman actually treat the kids individually and not just as this annoying lump and um, kind of realized that he loves teaching. I think is, yeah, that was kind of what made this movie for me. It was just what Martin Freeman, good actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much. Like if, if anyone had any doubt um, yeah. that you can clearly see it in this film especially since he's the main one doing like I don't want to say actual acting but like Mr. Poppy is a very big character yes where Martin Freeman is doing a much more realistic style and there's just moments there's like there's a moment where he's watching the kids they're um filming a bit to try to send to Jennifer to see if they can entice her to come Mm. and he just walks out of the room he looks you know as good as this character typically looks Mm. and then he puts his hand on the wall and he just breaks down yeah Yeah. and it's like oh that is a moment there it really Um, is i mean he's the one that is kind of carrying this movie and kind of the dramatic elements of this movie i mean yes we, we you watch this movie and it's very silly a lot of the time and you've got mr poppy mark wooten just kind of running around being a crazy person but then it's Martin Freeman when he's kind of quieting down he's having his alone moments like you can tell this is a person who's going through a lot of stuff like he's still not over his breakup he's not um he's kind of got the sense that even though at the beginning he says oh I want to be a primary teacher he's kind of realizing oh is this actually what I actually wanted to do with my life oh god did I make a mistake and when he's actually watching the kids get excited and everything and walks out and just breaks down it is such i'm like oh okay yeah this movie kind of it just keeps grounding itself in just the right moments where you just need it to so it's not completely all up in the air yeah yeah so when they do bring Uh, camels into the movie you're like where did they get the camels (laughs) right yeah you're right okay i accept this (laughs) um I, I want to mention real quick, mm. there's so many film references in this it, and musical references. It's really funny. Surprisingly um, so, yeah. Because at one uh, at one point, I think it's when they're going over the reviews of the other school mm. um, and it says something about Gordon Shakespeare's Three Color Trilogy. Yes. Um, and then there's another... I didn't write down the exact line but they mm. say something about weber and rice and mm. this is the first year that i had caught that um and then uh he asks he tells one kid oh because the little girl with the hat doesn't want to go on mm. and so he tells one of the little boys like you have to go on in her place yes and he goes but that's a girl's part i'm not going to do that and he says well you already look like barbarella so what yeah. difference does it, <laughs> it make because he does actually look like barbarella in that <laughs> <He> moment <does. laughs> um so yeah it's it's kind of it does but it's also got those kind of things of that's what a 
boy would say, even if he was looking like Barbarella, he's like, I don't want to play yeah. a girl. I'm like, look at yourself. Does it, what does it make a difference at this point? Um, it is, no, there's just these little moments. Like I love when uh, uh, Martin Freeman's talking to the priest. He's like, okay, yeah, but a white lie is fine. He's like, no, but it's still a lie. And it's like, no, but if you go over to your grand's house and she makes this, the meal for you, but you don't like it and you don't want to say it's awful because you don't want to hurt her feelings. He goes, yeah, but it's still a lie. That's that's not good. And if you told her, you might get a better meal next time. <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah, that that's, yeah. It's just these little moments like that that I think that just make this movie really, really great, as well as kind of Martin Freeman kind of, he's really, you can tell he's carrying this on his shoulders, but I think Nativity is kind of, yeah, it's a great movie to watch at Christmas because it does everything a Christmas movie is meant to do and meant to make you feel but at the same time, it's actually surprisingly quotable. But there are all these little things that you miss. Like I think I missed the Weber and Rice bit. I noticed the um the Three Colors trilogy. I'm like, of course okay. I did. Um, but I missed the Weber and Rice one. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those fun movies where there's stuff for the kids and there's stuff for the parents. So yeah. like everybody can be entertained. Exactly. It is kind of the de- definition of what a family movie is, and. I guess anything else you want to say about nativity before we go on to uh, the other Christmas movie, family um, movie in quotes. Uh, it, no, I don't think so. I just, it's just so much fun. And I really recommend people check it out. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I was going to say just real fast, um, mm. just about the set design. Cause I think it's gorgeous. Like there's, so much Christmas stuff everywhere. Yes. I just worked on a Christmas film mm. uh, in the set department and decorating all that. It's like, ah, I'm just giving a call out to those set designers because they did an amazing job. It's really hard to make it look like Christmas threw up everywhere. Um, it is. Uh, this episode will come out after yours, but we just did a lifetime. We're, well, we're going to be doing, there's going to be a lifetime uh, versus Hallmark and the distinct ah. approaches to um, set design were noted, especially when it comes to vomiting up Christmas decorations um, <laughs> and a particular ballroom that looked like a horror movie, but it was, um, yeah, I, you, you, to make, to do this is hard work and um, I'm noticing production way more. And I'm just like, that's a lot of Christmas stuff to get organized. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm applauding the the set designers. Um, well, I mean, on all the movies, but this one I particularly noticed since I had just done a similar thing and it was a short film and yeah. we only had a couple of rooms that we were using. And this was like, most of the school and you know outside stuff and it's like that's so much work that is and the fact that they were able to use coventry cathedral and had to dress that up completely and that's an actual historic site i mean the one thing i did love about this movie is the sense of place i mean i think the writer the the director writer and creator of this movie deb islet is from coventry this was filmed in coventry this is an absolute coventry movie um and you can kind of tell that the fact that it ends at Coventry Cathedral and that they had to dress that place up and like that thing. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely give, if you haven't seen this before, it's not, it, yeah, give it a watch. It's just really sweet. It's, it's just kind of one of those adorable movies that kind of makes you happy. And with that, we are going to be getting in 
to a very different kind of family movie, but it is all about family. Um, of course, that is uh, Krampus. I think I'm trying butchering the German, but um, or Austrian. But Laura, what is going to be your trailer for Krampus? So my trailer for Krampus is, you know, people who listen to this are going to think that all I watch is musicals. That's not the case. I do really love musicals, though. Um, <laughs> you do, which is why we I chose two. Yeah, we. Uh, this is why we're doing two musicals because I'm like I have to talk Laura about musicals. <laughs> But I'm going to go with the musical holiday horror Anna and the Apocalypse. Have a good morning. Sure, it'll be the same as always. Can you hear me? I'm a first aider. New morning. Feels different than Zombies. Not zombies. Oh, right, because that's perfectly normal. I'm ready. <laughs> hey, zombies, right? Oh, it's crazy. I know. We are not opening the doors. My little girl's out there. I'm getting my dad, all right? How are we going to get past all the zombies? I've just had the best idea ever. This is the stupidest idea ever. <laughs> all right, losers. What do I do? Make the movies! Destroy the brain! Yes, I love this movie so much. And this gave me this. Yes, I love this trailer. Talk about it. <laughs> uh it's it's so good. So it's it's a holiday zombie movie. Um Anna is she wants to get out of the small town that she's in, although it doesn't seem terribly small, but um She's got big dreams. She mm. wants, I think she wants to go to Australia for a year. And yeah, she, yeah, she wants to go abroad. She wants to see the world. Yes. Um, and so there's an amazing song about that. And uh, the zombie apocalypse happens. Mm. And there's a hilarious scene where there's this guy in this like giant snowman costume um that is the first zombie they encounter and they end up attacking him with like a seesaw mm. um and it's so it's just so good um it it didn't get a ton of attention when it came out but i think it's kind of getting a cult following now um but yeah the songs are great i think it's really funny i'm not a huge fan of zombie movies mm. so this is one of the ones that i really like um yeah. yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I sort of heard rumblings of it when it came out. It's like, oh, you need to check this movie out. I'm like, okay, zombie musical Christmas? Okay. And then when you finally sit down and watch it, you realize that it does all of those things really well. It's a great song. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of zombies, um, but when I watch a good one, I'm like falling in love with it. Like, uh, say, Train to Busan, of course, all the Romero's. Um when you, and then so it does that zombie stuff really well. There's kind of got the gore you want. It's really funny and you really fall in love with these characters, um, especially when you're watching the process of all these kids who are about to graduate college or leave college. Um, they realize their dreams are going to have to change because they're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. And then the songs of bangers. Um, wow. I can't remember all of them, but there's one they sing in the cafeteria that I would after watching it, I almost played on repeat. It was just really great. Um, uh, just a really great solid movie. And it is, yeah, it is really funny. And you, it's got that kind of great horror 
thing when it's got a lot of heart. So you just fall in love with everyone in the movie. Yes. It's one of those where almost every death is, it really hits you. Yes. There's nobody in it that you're just like, eh, I didn't really care about them. They're all like, no. Yeah. Every death matters. And uh, when horror movies can pull that off, I think it's a magical thing. Um, Anna and the Apocalypse is a fantastic, fantastic movie. I love, I love so much this trailer. Um, so, ah, what am I going to go? Okay, I am going to go for, actually, let's, I, yeah, okay, I'm going to go for the thing. 100,000 years ago, it found its way into our galaxy. frozen wasteland of Antarctica. It could not escape. Now the men of Station 4 have made a monumental discovery. An alien creature had frozen, but not to death. to hide it i think of this as a christmas movie and krampus is definitely riffing on the thing um i don't think a filmmaker can now if they're making a sort of a siege almost siege movie with snow that they're gonna be like well well, yeah we're doing the thing um yeah it's a classic for a reason um again a movie that very much got looked over when it came out and is now considered one of the greatest horror movies of all time and yeah it kind of is (laughs) that is an excellent choice and yeah, that was one of those movies I put off watching for a really long time because I was like, eh, I don't know. And then when I finally watched it, I was like, this movie is great and terrifying. I didn't know that one of my greatest fears in life was to become, uh, for my head to turn into a weird spider thing. But now it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now, now I know that. Yeah, n- now you're prepared. Uh, no, I remember watching this. Uh, I was I might have been in my early 20s. We didn't finish it with me and my dad. We just got up to the dog scene in the cage, and then I pretty much fell behind the couch. And my dad was like, "Yeah, we're not finishing this movie." I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> and yeah. a, few, a few years to go back to it because I hadn't seen anything like that. I was just like, "Yeah, I've never thought." Ever since then, I've always been slightly afraid of huskies. Uh, apparently they're the best yeah they're apparently the best dog and i just give them sideways looking going you're a thing aren't you you're gonna like (laughs) turn into like a big monster tentacle thing aren't you (laughs) so much tentacles in this movie um so much yeah um and with that we're going to be getting into actually probably one of my favorite i watched this actually i think i watched this every year ever since i got the blu-ray so and that is of course michael doherty's krampus it's the most wonderful time of the year with the kids jingle bells. merry christmas looks like martha stewart threw up in here this is delicious honey a little dry well mine's delicious mine's dry do you want to trade it's, the it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Look at that. With those holiday greetings in with 12 people stuck in a house with no heat and no electricity. Or food. There's plenty of leftovers, Howard. Beer it is. That's the weirdest thing. There's no cars, no people. How long can this keep up? 
We heard something on the roof. What the hell is this? St. Nicholas is not coming this year. Instead, a much darker ancient spirit. Those are hooves. Elk or a goat? What kind of goat walks on its hind legs? His name is Krampus. Uh, when did you first come across this delightful movie? I didn't see it in theaters, but mm. I think I saw it maybe the following Christmas or it it was after it came out on DVD because I was working um, at the bookstore at that mm. time. And we also had uh, used DVDs. And so I got it from work mm. and watched it. And then I immediately, so I watched it with my sister and my brother-in-law. And then I immediately took it home and told my parents they had to watch it because I thought it was really funny. Mm. They didn't en enjoy it quite as much as I did, but um, <laughs> I, I think it's uh really i like it a lot um yeah i think i watched it I, yeah maybe once i once i could rent it um and then because i heard people just talking about um michael doherty and how good um trick or treat was and then i couldn't get that so put he's put out a christmas horror movie and i'm like what's a krampus and then of course now every single christmas horror movie has a krampus in it um yeah <laughs> but <laughs> didn't know what it was at the time and was kind of delighted by it especially because i wasn't expecting tony collette or adam scott to be in it and they kill it but just because well tony collette especially because she's friggin tony collette but yeah it was just one of those movies i'm like oh this is really cool it's doing that family movie thing which you can watch as a family but then it's got this really kind of hard-edged horror and the creature stuff i mean that jack-in-the-box thing still kind of gives me the shivers yeah mm. it's terrifying terrifying um, he makes this noise and it's not normal <laughs> he eats people are just like oh my god <laughs> yeah because the like the face of it isn't terribly scary but the fact that like its mouth unfolds and it, it has giant teeth and yes. stuff yeah i'm just like uh no thanks <laughs> nope 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 um yeah and I was kind of surprised by that in a movie that kind of feel and that's what Michael Doty was going for he said I wanted to make a family movie family Christmas movie with horror and yeah he does I mean the creature designs in this are amazing and I kind of it feels kind of very much um like the show The Good Place as in these people aren't horrible but they're horrible enough <laughs> That's a very good comparison. Mm. Yeah, um, because at the end uh, of this, I, this is either like the third or the fourth time that I've seen it. Mm. I was like, you know, the, they're not great, but this seems like a very harsh um, eternity for them when they're just kind of like normal, unpleasant people. Yeah, I mean, it's just generally like, fam I mean, the whole thing um, is families get together at Christmas and sometimes families don't get along. Um, families, different uh, type, different um, wings of the family can be in different uh, economic stratas, social stratas, political stratas, like that makes it very clear that, and Alison Tolman, who I adore, are very much more um, what Australians would call bogans or Americans would call redneck, kind of um, uh, conservative. Yep. <laughs> And um, with his Adam Scott and Tony Collette are the more wealthy liberals. You very much get that that sense from both of them. And so when they come into 
the same household, they're going to kind of butt heads. And it does seem, yeah, it does seem a little harsh, the ending, though I've had different readings of it. And actually we'll get to the ending. Do they live in a snow globe? Mark Warner on his, uh, in his little box says he, he thinks that it's sort of more, um, that's not the ending, but it's more Krampus just keeping an eye on them because he goes, yeah, that's really harsh. They're not terrible people. I mean, they're annoying and they've kind of, but they're just kind of what the world kind of turns you into anyway. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Skipping to the ending. <laughs> Spoilers for Krampus yeah. if you haven't seen it. <laughs> um, yeah, because the the grandma said that she never saw her family again, that he dragged them to hell. So mm. I, I don't know. Um, Though to be fair, yeah. Omi's parents might have been Nazis. So, um, I mean, that's very true. Um, I mean, so it, they might've been worse people. They <laughs> might've been worse might people. The worst people actually forever. And huh, interesting. Okay. I'm going to have to think about this now. Yeah. I was sort of watching it. I was watching it through that lens going, oh, are they in a snow globe? Are they in a kind of limbo that they have to kind of, yeah, it's the ending's kind of ambiguous. And when you do talk about Omi's story and how she never saw her parents again, it's kind of like, yeah, it makes it very clear she's German or Austrian because Krampus is a very much an Austrian, South German, more, more Austrian mm-hmm. kind of thing. They apparently do have praise, but they just have people dressed up as Krampus running around terrifying children. I'm like, that would give me, that would have given me nightmares. Um, and yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God. And you can tell this is post-war Austria, Germany. I'm like going, okay, yeah, her parents might have been actual kind of awful. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a there's a chance. It like, it, But it kind of leaves that up to interpretation because I love the fact that, oh my God, the animation when I love how. Oh, yeah. Uh, Michael Doherty loves playing with different kind of movie styles. You re- you don't really see much of it in his um, Godzilla movie because it's a Godzilla movie, but you really see it in Trick or Treat and this where he loves playing with different movie styles throughout the thing. So when he gets to the animation of Omi telling her childhood story, it's still from that child's point of view. And it is heartbreaking and sad and kind of beautiful. And it's probably my favorite part of the movie. I, I love that animation sequence. It's so good. I had forgotten that that was in there because uh, actually, no, it hasn't been a couple of years since I watched it. I watched it this summer with a friend because yeah. um, she was working on a Christmas horror movie. Um, <sighs> and uh, but I had forgotten about the animated part and it's mm. just so good, like the style of it and how dark it is. And, it you know, it fits in with the horror so well. As a matter of fact, it may be even more terrifying than some of the other parts of the movie. It is. It is truly dark. And he doesn't, and it, there's no explanation of it just said, because you see the ruined town and you sort of, she is uh, German because she's speaking German throughout most of the movie. And you're like, oh, okay. I know when this is, I know the political implications of what it was like living after second world war in, in Austria and Germany. It sucked. Yeah. There was no food. There was no anything. It's all very stressful. So you're not going to have that. You're not going to have that childhood Christmas that you want. And then added all the other stuff that your brain is already filling into the gaps. You're like going, yeah, Krampus would have taken, I'm pretty sure Krampus would have taken them. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that is infured. The first time I watched it, I didn't even think of that. I didn't think, Oh, that's, that's, that's really sucks. That happened to her. She's a very cool lady. Um, but yeah, it's it's 
it does so much with so little and the animation is beautiful and it kind of looks I think it's sort of harkening back to the old uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, like 70s animation kind of thing as well. And yeah. Yeah, I really like that segment. Um, and I don't really know what else to say about it, but no. other than I really like it. It's really cool. <laughs> no, I just added a depth. I'm like going, so what is he actually doing with them? Um, yeah, and I think yeah. when after reading Mark's review, I was like, so what is Krampus actually doing with them? Because I know when we did, I did since last week, uh, which is a another evil Santa movie, but the, and he also takes he just well he just kills straight up people. He's not even trying to take them somewhere. He's just like all right, cutting off their head. But it's that oh. sort of same time of European tradition of the anti Santa, which um, Australia definitely doesn't have. America, own, we've only kind of just embraced the anti Santa. Uh, we've had Christmas, yeah. we've had Santas go bad, but we've never actually had a figure that is the polar opposite to what Santa Claus is. And I kind of love that idea that there's the Santa who is kind of the one who brings the presents. And, but then there's this kind of dark underbelly that if you are not living the life of the, of, of a good person, um, it's not going to be coal. It's going to be something much, much darker. There are going to be repercussions. And I yeah. really love that idea. I'm like, cause when you first see him and he's like trudging around the, 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 um, the storm with poor um the, the poor Beth hiding under the van and it is creepy. <laughs> yes. Funny thing in Texas, um, so there are parts of Texas that have um that were very large German settlements mm. and they there was a form of Krampus that um was in texas for a while it wasn't necessarily like the creature but uh people would go around and put the bad kids in sacks and carry them around and until they said enough bible verses and then they'd let them go back to their house oh my god that is very so german (laughs) just getting oh my god that's so terrifying just getting scooped up (laughs) yeah um so I, I have no idea like when this stopped, but um, a, a friend of mine who does a whole bunch of like historical research found out about this and I was like, well, okay then. <laughs> um, <laughs> interesting. Um, uh, yeah, the whole idea of like, oh no, it's not just you're gonna get a, a present that you don't like, but you may actually just be taken to hell or whipped with a stick or something. It's like, that's that gives you a much bigger incentive to be good yeah it is really leading into the grim fairy tales of it all like the moral story of behave this way don't do this don't go into the woods don't talk to this person be do what your parents tell you to do uh kind of a thing and it's something that comes from those kind of uh black forest kind of things that and and the alps or the mountains kind of thing and i absolutely i love the design of Krampus. He is the, the yes. horns and the, and the kind of the hood. It is um, very, very cool. And yeah, all the creatures are amazing. When they end, when they just all kind of run through the, the, the living room and they're all just like all these horn things that look like they come out from a Jim Henson movie. I, every time I watch it, I'm like, Oh, I know why I like this movie. This reminds me of Jim Henson a little bit. Just cause they are actually using actual puppetry. Yeah. And like the cherub angel, Thing that attacks Tony Collette. Oh my god. <laughs> that thing, it looks deranged and it's terrifying because you're just like, well, if I just saw that, 
I would be like, okay, it's creepy looking, but then it's attacking you. And it's like, oh no, this just goes from, oh, this is a weird, creepy thing to, oh my gosh, this, this is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. There's a way this movie builds when, um, poor, um, the, 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 the little boy's taken up a chimney and it sort of starts off really cute because you see like a gingerbread man just like hanging out and he's alive and he's being all kind of you can tell he's not up to mischief because he's got a face, but he's he's up to mischief and he's hanging. <laughs> why would he be hanging from a friggin' um, uh, cook in a chimney? Yeah. And of course, the little boy does the most Augustus Gloop thing and starts eating it. And that's always the sign of a bad kid who just finds random food. And that's always the thing that got me because I'm like, oh god, if I was a kid and I just found a random gingerbread man, yeah, I might eat it. That that might happen. <laughs> I'd be pulled up the chimney pretty quickly. <laughs> That's such a hilarious moment too, because yeah. when the gingerbread man realizes that like a bite's been taken out of his head, yeah. I love that it's not that he's in pain or anything. He's just like, what? He's incensed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then it's like, Boston. okay, well, you're going up the chimney, kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then I'll... the scene. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. The scene where they're trying to pull him back down is so intense. <laughs> like it, it, it flips tones really quickly. Yes, it does. It goes from being like, okay, this is kind of funny horror to like, and everybody in this is giving it their all. It's, yeah. Because these are like Adam Scott and Tony Collette and everybody in it. They're they're good actors. Um, and they're not acting like this is beneath them or anything. They are in it. And it just like elevates it that much more. Yeah, they really, really are. I mean, I love every single performance and they know kind of what role they're playing and they know how to play it. I love Adam Scott and Tony um, Collette's performance as this kind of very kind of um, this kind of couple who d haven't connected for a while. The whole family's a bit kind of dissolute, which is probably why poor Max is probably just striving for the perfect Christmas. And but I really love Adelson Tolman's and uh and also Conchetta's uh Farrell's performance, especially Conchetta. Like she reminds me of my nana, like this kind of no bullshit, I'm just gonna cause all this kind of ruckus and tell you I don't like your food kind of woman. And it, but Alison Tolman plays it with so much she, oh she I fell in love with her with when I watched her in Fargo. She's Same. first season, she's amazing. So she turned up in this, and the moment when she's letting the kids kind of watch the the iPad because they've got no power. They're stuck in this kind of very big dark house. And Tony Clark's going, that's going to run the battery out. She's like, well, you might as well enjoy it when you have it. And that kind of says everything about her character, that she loves her kids. She's loves her family. She may not be as polished as her sister, but they are, you can tell that that is kind of at the forefront of her everything. It's just, I'm just going to take care of my family. I have a lot of girls, um, which is probably why David uh, is so obsessed with this, trying to get his son back. He's like, the one boy, even the dog oh, is a yeah. girl. And that kind of thing. But even the girls who are complete tomboys, they embrace. And it's just this kind of, yeah, it's it, it's a, a very, even though they're an annoying family, you can embrace them really easily because you can tell they absolutely love each other. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I just love the performances. I think they're great. Conchetta's amazing. She's hilarious. She steals every scene she's yeah. in. <laughs> so, just like, can we just eat something normal? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, something I wanted to point out, which I absolutely love, uh, I wrote a paper about this, mm. uh, was 
you know, there a lot of times there's like really bad age gaps between the husbands and wives mm-hmm. in the movies. And um uh Adam Scott is actually like six months younger than Tony Collette. So it's like, oh, yes. look at that. Excellent. I love it. I knew there was similar ages. I don't know the difference between Alison Tolman and uh, David uh Keichner. Sorry, I should probably um yeah, I don't know their kind of age difference, but yeah, I was, I was watching this going, oh, I think Adam's got Tony Collette in a sort of similar ages in this. Um, yeah. I, I mean, how good is Tony Collette in everything she does? She gets yeah. kind of, she keeps getting mother roles, but she does, she manages to make, she manages to make them her own and stand out and kind of these amazing performances. Yeah, they're not just the wife character at all. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything I've seen her in that, she's not good in you know some of the like overall films may not Mm. be the greatest thing but she's always good um and yeah i don't think she gets quite as much recognition as she deserves i just think she's brilliant yeah no i think she is brilliant i think even if the thing isn't good she's in she's the best thing in it and um Mm -hmm. yeah she needs and she needs some sort of award at some point because but she never but she never really chooses roles that will go for the award which is what i kind of like um i yeah. mean yes everyone talked about her getting an award for hereditary that movie was never going to get an academy award she's amazing in it but i think she chose it because she saw the role and went oh this is i can do something with this this is a really fascinating role of a woman losing her mind i can absolutely do this and with this movie it is about a woman who's just trying to keep her house together she has the perfect house. She has a seemingly perfect marriage. She seemingly has the perfect kids and she cooks little pigeons or whatever for, for, for Christmas Eve or whatever dinner they're having. Um, it's, it's all about kind of keeping this facade up of perfection, which her sister is obviously just lives in the mess and happy to do that because that's just kind of what life is. And as soon as Krampus comes knocking on the door, she's, kind of takes she she's the one who kind of takes charge a little bit yes definitely um you know i just i just thought about it it you know the men do go out to like look but when it really comes down to it it seems like it's the two sisters um tony collette and allison tolman that is. really are like okay we we're gonna save these kids we're gonna get them out of here and then of course it uh yeah doesn't happen but doesn't, um, yeah oh even when uh conchata gets the gun and just starts shooting things it's like yeah yeah it's the females who really take on the action you're right it's the men who sort of go out and they have to because they're being the bravado we have to go and look for beth we have to do the thing but when it comes down to it yeah it's the women who really have to stand up and go okay we really have to sort this out even if it doesn't work um yeah. and they all get taken eventually like when tony Gillette gets taken and you've got the two kids in the truck it is heartbreaking because oh. she's just like I can't save you. Yeah. It's yeah, it's so heartbreaking. Um so I do I I, I know back to the ending. I just want to talk about it for a moment because oh, it's I'm fascinating. <laughs> so okay, on the Wikipedia it does say that he's using the snow globe to monitor and spy on them because uh, he has spared them. Yes. Which is not what I got at all. No. Uh, but is a much nicer ending. Um because I, a theory that I had come up with was that 
originally when I first saw the movie, I had thought that they were kind of, once the power went out, they were in the snow globe. Oh, fascinating. But then watching it this time, I thought, oh, well, maybe they're not in the snow globe until they get like sucked down yeah. into the ground and then, and or thrown into the pit. And then that's like him dropping them into the snow globe that's kind of um, what, yeah that's kind of what i thought when i was watching it as well is that that's kind of was the process he was taking them down in, into the snow globe um and it is but you but then when i was sort of watching it the more times i watch it, i'm like okay wait max kind of rips the letter up um after it's been read at the table and he gets into another fight um and he kind of that's his kind of making a deal with the devil like I hate my family. They all suck. There's like the home alone Kevin thing. Can my family just disappear kind of thing. Yeah. And then so Krampus starts coming for them. And then um, when he's facing him alone, he sort of says, look, I'm sorry. I do love my family. I want them back. And he's kind of makes another deal with the devil again. And then he's thrown down. But then, so I think you can kind of interpret it in two different ways that yeah. He's either reuniting Max with his family because he loves them and they're kind of in this weird limbo thing within the snow globe, or he's using the snow globe to monitor them because I love the slow realization of the family that they went through something. I mean, it's like a normal Christmas morning, they're opening presents, the power's on, everything's normal. And then when he sees that bell, when he opens the present, it's got the bell. Everyone just kind of goes very quiet and starts looking around like, oh no, we went through something. So I think... I love the ending because you can actually interpret it a couple of different ways. There's no one yeah. way to go, oh, this is it. This is what what's happened, which I really love. Yeah, I it's things like that are what allow movies to be like kind of watched over and over again because it's yes. like, oh, what is what's new for me to discover this time? And and I feel like this has a lot of that. It everything from like design elements, um, to like oh no wait what actually did happen with this um uh talk about one part that i just absolutely love for a moment uh is the gingerbread men i was gonna say we're going we have, after howard <laughs> we have to talk about the gingerbread men <laughs> oh they're so psychotic <laughs> they're amazing i'm kind of surprised that no one's tried to do a spin-off i'm glad they haven't because i don't know if you could build an actual story around these guys but they are absolutely psychotic the fact that they have a, they get a nail gun, I'm like, oh no, this is not going to go. <laughs> yeah, and then you know they're on fire and they're still like coming yes! after him. It's just ah, uh, so funny. I love that part. It's like just the perfect mix of humor and scary and touching in this. Um, and I didn't realize that the director had also done Trick or Treat. I adore Trick or Treat. So that makes so much sense. Yeah, I saw Trick or Treat after this. Because uh, I know a few people who still tour saw Trick or Treat first absolutely adore that movie more than this one. And I saw this first, so I adore this movie. But Trick or Treat is so well done. The fact that it is an anthology, but it's connected, but it's kind of told out of order as well. Um, and the fact you can tell he loves monsters because Sam is kind of has now slowly become a Halloween icon. Like you can see him yeah. everywhere and he's adorable and menacing at the same time. And I think this is what these creatures do. Like you can tell he's such a monster kid um, that he just likes making monsters, which yeah, I don't hate King of Monsters. I think it's a very messy movie, but I think when the monsters actually work in 
the King of Monsters, the Godzilla, I think it works. Like when Godzilla's swimming up to the submarine thing they've got in there and he just looks at them and then goes away. I'm just like, that that is that that is perfect. That is that is that is Godzilla. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I see you. I see you there. <laughs> I I'm sad to say I haven't actually seen that one yet. I have, you know. I don't think I've actually seen any Godzilla movies. All right, that's going on my list for this year. Uh, oh, this coming you are year in something I need to um, such work on. A trait you are in the, the 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 evolution of the Godzilla movies is absolutely fascinating. Uh, the first one is this amazing metaphor for the nuclear uh, bombings of Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Um, and then he beca- then slowly over time he just becomes a hero and starts hanging out. It's amazing. <laughs> love it uh, yeah it's um no it, it the godzillas are fascinating movies because they are so over the place and godzilla is kind of changes from what uh what is happening in japan at the time whether they want him to be a hero whether they want him to be a villain whether they want him to be something else aliens and weird pod people get involved. oh it is they are wild <laughs> all right well that's that's gonna be a fun journey uh for 2023 then uh mothra you're gonna fall in love with mothra she's amazing <laughs> like i love i love mothra so much uh she's 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 my favorite kaiju actually uh she's just a big moth Aww. but she's awesome <laughs> her wings just like blow over buildings it's amazing um oh nice <laughs> yeah um but yeah this but i guess getting back to krampus it's just kind of it's what I want from this type of movie. I love how the tone changes. I love how cozy it is. I mean, yes, we were talking off mic about how my Christmas is summer and the sun is streaming in right now. It's going to be a really warm day, but um, I can put this on and I feel cozy um, and safe. Though safe is not the right word because I those puppets and creatures, especially the Jack in the Box and the way his mouth can kind of, you're right, unhinge from his from his face. Yeah. I'm just like, mm, no, 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 that, no, I don't like that. Don't like that at all. But it definitely has a coziness to it that I love. You know, I also was just remembering, those are some pretty terrifying snowmen that are outside too. Yes! They, I don't think they really do anything other than like they're menacing, but it's just like, wow, you're really scary. No, it's just this kind of thing that wake up, the power's gone, all of a sudden they look out the window and there's just these snowmen there. And you're just like, what in the living um, Blair Witch Project is happening now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I only really noticed the snowmen this time around. I was just like, going, yeah, there are actual snowmen just waiting outside the house for no reason. <laughs> now, I know Christmas horror, this was one of my first introductions to Christmas horror because mm. I hadn't seen any of the like Silent Night, Deadly Night or any of those when I saw yeah. this. Um, and this year we have two. Uh, you, you've you seen both of them, right? I have, the, yeah. Okay. Um, Christmas, Bloody Christmas just opened here. I haven't had a chance to see that mm. one yet. And um, so I'm really excited to see both of those. Uh, how do you think they... Just without going into any spoilers, do you think this one's like they're on par with this or? Um... Um, well, I think I've lived with Krampus more, so I think I like them a bit more. I would say Violent Night is much more tonally with Krampus, okay. or at least trying to to be. Um, I think it's trying to definitely do have that family kind of um, family Christmas kind of vibe, which is very much leaning on. I mean, it's got Billy, uh, Beverly D'Angelo in it, who has been 
worst best i should say she's being the best asshole in it it's fantastic <laughs> um she's in it it's definitely got the whole child um desperately clinging on to the idea of christmas and santa which max is they are very similar characters in that way um so it's doing a lot of similar things to what krampus does um but it's just okay david harbour um kicking a lot of ass um instead of sort of krampus coming for them um yeah and where there's uh christmas bloody christmas is much more silent night deadly night i think they've referenced it um that is much more uh, that yeah that is much more just killer santa on the loose i mean that's not a spoiler because that is the whole pretty much the whole movie um but it is yeah it, it's just very um joe bigos very fluorescent looking very grungy and there's just the santa just it's very yeah just not giving up um because yeah i think this might have been one of my first christmas horror movies as well because i don't think i'd seen silent night deadly night I think this got me on the run of like going, oh, I need to watch Christmas Evil. I need to watch um, uh, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. I need to kind of dig out all these kind of older, really kind of cool little Christmas horrors. So, yeah, I think this was one of my first ones as well. Nice. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I've just started um, with the Silent Night, Deadly Night ones. We watched five the other night. Oh, five is amazing. <laughs> um, and... And then I've seen seen a few other uh, Christmas horror ones because mm. uh, one that I don't particularly want to watch, but it cracks me up. So there's, have you seen Ginger Dead Man? No, I've got it queued up on Tubi, but I have not <laughs> seen it yet. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm planning to watch it this, this Christmas, actually. It looks okay. deranged. <laughs> so apparently there's a sequel, Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. Yes, because they're both, they're all um, full moon movies, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and, so they'll, uh, they, will, they, will, they will be in the same universe, yes. I've never <laughs> seen Evil Bong either. <laughs> Just, oh, cracks me up. I, I uh, My friend found that when she was working on her uh, Christmas horror script uh, earlier this year, and I was just like, you know what? There's something for everybody. <laughs> now, when you get into the world of Christmas horror, you soon realize that there's just some of the most deranged ideas. Um, <laughs> I mean, I get to live in a world where I get to watch synth rare exports, which I goddamn love so much. Um, and Krampus every year. And I yeah. think those are going to be my sort of trilogy of Christmas horror. But then if I'm in a particularly sleazy mood, I can put on one of the silent night, deadly nights. Um, if I really want to go bonkers, I can just go two Cause you can watch one and two at the same time. Cause two is pretty much flashbacks for, for one. Um, you can I can watch uh, Deadly Games uh, with the Rambo oh. kid taking on Santa, which is amazing. Uh, it's so good, so good. Um, you can go for Christmas Evil. You can go for Christmas Horror Story. There's it's kind of I think it's built really kind of in the last maybe ten years where everyone's going. Oh, there's these things you can have and you can watch them and they're sleazy and amazing and and they do all these kind of things. And I like the fact that Christmas Horror is now its own genre. Like it's <laughs> Yeah, I just watched Don't Open Till Christmas, which I'm just like, oh my God, someone actually made this. <laughs> someone put this thing on film and I'm just like going, and the world's a slightly better place for it, I think. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. You know, as much goes wrong in the world, there are some good things to look forward to. Yes, and Don't Open Till Christmas is definitely one of them. I think that's going to be on the rotation if you're just watching this movie going, 
how did this happen? I know actually how it happened. It was a big pile of accidents, but <laughs> and directors quitting constantly. But um, it's um, yeah, it's it's kind of magic. And Krampus is just kind of one of those movies. I mean, there's even if you don't like Krampus, you've got rare exports. If you don't like rare exports, you've got Christmas Evil. If you really want more sleaze, you've got the Silent Night, Deadly Night movies, <laughs> and you've got Fire Part Five, which is one of the most bonkers. I mean, Mickey Rooney is in this goddamn movie with also actually Clint Howard is in two of them. I think I still haven't seen four. Should I need to watch four this year? That's what I need to do. I need to watch that one. Cause that's the only one I haven't seen. I think of the silent night, deadly night movies. Yeah. It's just so fun. And I'm really glad because I love, I love the sweet and the heartfelt Christmas movies, but the Christmas horror is just so much fun. And especially because some people don't like, you know, the hallmarks or the nativities. Um, so that that means that there's something for everybody. And I love that. Yeah. And especially this does have that kind of cool Christmas moral message, which isn't like hammered home, but it's like, these are your family. You got to spend the rest of your life with them. So you might as well find a way to get along. Um, even yeah. if you are completely different, they are still your family. And that is such a Christmas kind of, one of the heart is a lot of Christmas movies is just kind of like finding the good in the world. And um, even if they're forced to spend it, even if you think they're in a snow globe and they're forced to spend eternity to together, that is kind of there's That's a suitable, actually, I'm thinking that kind of a suitable punishment. And now um, uh, Tolan's family gets to spend the rest of life in a nice house, a nicer house than they probably had. <laughs> <laughs> what room? <laughs> or you can look at, it as at least you don't have to spend eternity in a snow globe with your family <laughs> exactly you get to go to your individual homes and have to only see them once or twice a year yes yeah. um <laughs> it, yeah you can it, get along for at least this little bit <laughs> yeah you can get along and you can be nice to just be nice to one another which i think is what krampus is really all about especially with that amazing opening of them just like killing each other in the department stores which is like yes yeah. this is our christmas now <laughs> oh my gosh yeah um you good to go on to the muppet christmas carol or let's do it okay and with that we're talking about the meaning of christmas we're going to get get into the ultimate movie that is about the meaning of christmas and that is of course well as we said right up top one of our favorite movies of all time muppet christmas carol now laura what are you going to show for your trailer for muppet christmas carol so i'm going to show um it's actually a TV special from 1974. Uh, it's a Rankin Bass production called Twas the Night Before Christmas. Dear editor, Santa Claus is a fraudulent myth rooted in. Enough, enough. Write another one right away, apologizing. But I can't. Why not? That letter was true. You don't know as much as you think because you only think with your head. So you have a lot of trouble believing in things you can't see or touch. Like, for instance, what things? How about fairies and leprechauns on St. Patrick's Day? How about just about everything that makes a holiday gay? There's more to the world than meets the eye. When doubts in your mind, give your heart a try. Let up a label on the wonder why and give your heart a try. I, this is the one I haven't seen yet. This is amazing. 
my sister really doesn't like it at all, but I love it so much. It is told and sung by Joel Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little uh, cabaret tie back in. Yeah. Um, and it's just, you know, throughout the thing, they do tell the whole Twas the Night Before Christmas um, poem. Um, but it's about this little mouse who writes a letter to the newspaper saying that uh, he doesn't believe in Santa and he signs it from all of us. So hmm. Santa um, returns all of the letters to the people in the town. Hmm. So to get him to come back and to say they're sorry, they build this giant clock that at the stroke of midnight is going to sing this song um, about how much they love Santa. Well, the same little mouse who wrote the letter, he's very inquisitive. He goes into the clock to see how it works and ends up um, breaking it. Mm. And so it's all about then, like, um, his journey to fix the clock and save Christmas for everybody. And, you know, I don't know why I like this one so much. It just probably because I saw it as a kid. But every Christmas Eve, I watch this usually this one by myself. Mm. And then I watch Muppet Christmas Carol with my sister. So the two just go together for me. That makes perfect sense. I grew up on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because that was the one that played all the time Christmas morning. Mm. Um, so that was my Rankin and Bass. I have seen Santa Claus is Coming to Town because I think I was like, I need to watch more of the Rankin Bass movies other than Rain- Rudolph. When I actually watched Rudolph, I realized how weird that movie is. Yeah. Like I'm watching it going, Wow, this has got a lot of things going on, and I didn't realize when I was six years old just watching watching it. Um, and the same with Santa Claus is coming to town. I love how deeply weird and almost uh, transgressive these movies are. I don't know if the night before Christmas, towards the night before Christmas, has got that, but the other two do. Like it's like they're really going for it, whether it's stereotypes yeah. or what. But I'm just like, wow. <laughs> um. Yeah, another, well, just a quick recommendation that's not uh, not a trailer for this one, but if you get a chance to watch The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, that is wild. Okay. I love it. I am putting that on my list. I, I have not seen that one. Um, that's, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, okay, what am I going to do? I am... Actually, you know what? I'm going to do a new one. It's very cheesy, but I actually kind of fell in love with it considering I haven't lo- loved a lot of the MCU lately, but I'm going to go for Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. I just saw on the calendar that right now on Earth, it's almost Christmas time. We don't have time for trivialities like Christmas. But Peter's so sad about Gamora being gone. Maybe if we go to Earth for a really wonderful Christmas gift, it would make him happy. Something special you will never forget. What about someone special? We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. We're looking for the legendary Kevin Bacon. I just said that, Drax. If your voice is small and mousy, I think maybe he didn't hear you. Ah! You're coming with us as a Christmas present. Which is delightful, and I have been listening a lot to the soundtrack, not going to lie. It's put me back oh, in my um, alternative country phase <laughs> when I was 20. 
Um, no, this is just delightful. I love when James Gunn writes Guardians. I think uh, he's he becomes all heart. And I think this movie is all heart while being completely dopey. My favorite line, we got you a Kevin Bacon. No, that is human trafficking. Um, <laughs> it is, it is, um, it is absolutely adorable. I think the Mantis steals the movie for me. Mantis, drunk Mantis is my now new favorite thing. Uh, I think she's a fine, she's kind of, this is the movie where she really stands up for herself and it is a beautiful thing to watch. Oh, nice. I'm really excited to see that one. Yeah. Um, I've heard nothing but good things from people. So uh, it, it sounds a lot of fun. It, it really is. It's 45 minutes, doesn't spend enough time. You can tell they didn't put that much money into it, but you can, it's kind of good to, it's kind of just nice to see the crew back together. Um, and they all, you can kind of, I don't know. I don't know if this actually is, but they actually feel like they all get along um and all like spending time with each other and you get that feeling in the in the in the christmas um and the holiday special and yeah it's got some really just funny moments especially just yeah drunk mantis is the best (laughs) um and with that we're going to be getting into one of the greatest movies ever the muppet christmas carol He was the greediest man alive. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Until the night he met someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. I'll drink to Mr. Scrooge, even though he is odious and stingy and badly dressed. Humbug. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? Yes, Mr. Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, the bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? It's Charles Dickens' classic tale. As only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. Uh, were you a big Muppet kid? Or are you still a big Muppet kid, I should probably ask. So I don't really remember watching the other ones mm. so much. Like, I I honestly have never seen an episode of The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. Um I did see the Muppet movie and like the great Muppet caper um, because they would play him on TV sometimes, but we always watched this one. Um, But as I've gotten older, I have really grown to love the Muppets even more. Mm. Um, And the other movies and I, um, you know, I enjoyed the, it was just the Muppets. Um, That was I think the title of the one that the Jason Siegel did. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, that one was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the follow-up, which Muppets most wanted. I, I do. Believe. Love I don't know why I'm blanking. That is Muppets um, most wanted. Yeah. That, that one's fun. <laughs> yeah. I liked that one a lot. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I really, really enjoy them. Um, but this is definitely my favorite uh of the the muppet movies yeah i think this is my favorite of the muppet movies just purely because i've seen it the most though i was muppet obsessed when i was a kid um i adore jim henson his death 
and Roald mm. Dahl's, I think, because they happened very, from memory, uh, quite close to each other, from my memory at least. Oh. And those were the two that hit me, like the first big celebrity deaths. I was like, no, not Jim Henson. What? What? No, but what's Kermit going to do? Um, and I used to watch the show. I used to play like on Saturday or Sunday mornings. I used to get up and watch it. Um, I still love the theme song. I could probably sing it, but I won't. Um, I, it's kind of, The Muppets was always this, strange like it was never meant to be a kids show this that the he jim henson had sesame street that was his kind of kids project the muppet show was actually kind of like this meant to be this late night um kind of like talk show variety show kind of thing and oh. they got all the big guests at the time like i remember the elton john one really well vincent price was on um uh, and the stuff that these guys did um were kind of having, and I don't know, they always seem like they're very bemused and actually or sometimes having fun. Like they're just looking at these like uh, Muppets and apparently when you sort of watch, I've never seen Avenue Q, but when you're watching, you're not watching the person doing it. You're watching the actual Muppet. Like it's a, a weird experience because you're actually interacting with this, with this creature. Um, and I've heard that sort of reported a lot of times. So when I was a kid and realized they had made movies they got rented all three of them, like uh, the Muppet wow. movie, uh, Muppet Caper, Man- Muppet uh, Muppets in Manhattan, which I have not seen in years, which I need to. Um, I remember not liking that one as much as the other two, but it was so. I think I actually went and saw this at the cinema when it came out. Like I was probably slightly too old. I was like twelve. Like really, going to go see the Muppet Christmas Carol? I'm like yeah, I'm going to go see the Muppet Christmas Carol. So it was. It's always kind of been in my life and so when it was on tv and when i could rent it and then it went away and then i think it was one of the first things i watched back on disney plus i now own the deck to learn at the blu-ray i really should um but the muppets have always been in my childhood so watching there's a i have such nostalgia just for those characters and just for the way that just watching them on screen just makes me happy. Like they recently saw on Twitter, uh, Dave Grohl versus animal on the drums. And it's the greatest thing ever. They just destroy the drums. Like Dave Grohl's like, yeah, I've been waiting for this moment to take on animal and animals just like, yeah, I'm going to rule. And I'm just like, this is what I want from life. Just people just like hanging out with Muppets. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to have to find that because that sounds amazing. Yes. Yes, it is. Animal, Um, the greatest drummer of all time. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh yeah the the scene in the the fozzy wig party oh where God. he's like you know he's just playing like the one symbol and then he's like <laughs> <"Get bored." laughs> and goes full yeah drum oh, i just love it every time he does this he goes <sighs> he just he's getting yeah. frustrated and frustrated. <laughs> yeah um did you do you have a favorite muppet character oh it's so hard mm. um you know, because of course Miss Piggy is so wonderful and so glamorous and has some of the best lines. She's the best. Um, <laughs> you know, Kermit is such a great character. I, at times, I really identify with the great Gonzo because um, yeah. he's just kind of a mess. Yes. Um, although the chicken obsession's kind of weird. Even in um, this movie, they bring the chicken obsession in. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, thank you. <laughs> um. But I don't know. They're they're all such great characters. Um, because Fozzie's so much fun, and he's just such a sweet character. Um, but then you've got oh, 
I do love Statler and Waldorf. Oh I mean, my, how do you not? Just hysterical. <laughs> um, Perfect for um, Marley and Marley. I mean, it was just like, who else are you going to get to play those guys? Yeah. And that song, oh my gosh, it's such an amazing song. It is. Um, and just how, uh, sorry, I was just thinking about that song and how amazing Michael Caine is playing off of these characters you know, these puppets yes. don't like, they have facial expressions in a way, but not really, but he is just all in it. This and, movie. Yeah. This movie wouldn't have worked if Michael Caine didn't take this it as seriously as he did. Um, yeah. If he had gone in and gone, I'm going to wink at the camera, like, like those Muppets are doing. Cause they, I mean, the Muppets are constantly breaking the fourth wall. They are constantly, mm -hmm. um, trying to divert the story they are trying to cause all this chaos um uh, i mean even Fozzie wig runs a rubber chicken factory which i just yeah. of course he does um it's it so if he did not take this seriously if he was not i mean when he says the line um because i think it's when he's talking to beaker oh my god i love beaker and benson oh my just, yeah. oh, i don't have a favorite i love they're all my children um I can't pick, but when he's sort of, they're saying, oh, you should give to charity because they're going to die. And he's like, well, if they're going to die, then might as well get up and do it because they're surplus is such a cold line. And this is a move. This is kind of when, um, this was when they've kind of gone, yep, the Muppets are for kids. This is, we're making a family movie. Kids love this. this we're making it for children. And he has that line. It's like, dude, that is cold. <laughs> yeah. Good yeah. It, but again, that's another amazing moment where he is all in it. And mm. you like, you feel that you, it, it takes, it takes you um, back because it's like, wow, what a terrible thing to say. And the way he delivers it and ah, he's just a, such a phenomenal actor. And to me, this is probably the best portrayal of Scrooge. It is. It's one of my, the best Scrooges. He is taking the role seriously. He's doing it well. He is sad when he needs to be. He's kind of joyful when mm -hmm. he needs to be. He is, he is phenomenal. And the fact that he is just playing off these, um, playing off these um, Muppets who actually do give good performances. I mean, when you've got Frank Oz oh, yeah. and all the other guys, um, I still get a little bit, I know this isn't uh, Jim Henson playing Kermit. I'm like, Steve Whitmire, Whitmire, you're good, but that's just a stupid nitpick. Like, I'm just like, I know because oh. I'm, because I'm freaking such a Hanson head. I'm like, nah, it's not quite Jim Hanson, but he had passed away and this was the first thing they had done. And I love the fact that this is the first thing that was made after Hanson's death, because it is a tribute to him. It's got his old crew still working together. Brian Hanson does a really great job of directing mm -hmm. um, and kind of probably listen to everyone around him of how they would do this story. And the fact that it is taken so seriously because as much as I love Muppet Treasure, Treasure Island, I think um, maybe it's just because it's long uh, Tim Curry who has playing Londra and Silver, who's kind of a winky character anyway. There's a little bit of winking at the camera, but too yeah. much. You don't get the groundedness that this one has that will ultimately go, yeah, we're telling a ghost story. So we are going to be scary at times and it's okay. They let you know it's going to be okay. I mean, that and when, when the spirit of Christmas yet to come, to come and Gonzo's like, okay, we're chicken out. This is too scary, but we will be back for, for, for the finale, which basically says <laughs> it's going to be scary now, but it's going to be okay. Cause when we get back, you'll know it's going to be safe. And I love that so much. It's just this Jim Henson telling the kids it's going to be okay. 
and it is just perfection. <laughs> yeah, because that ghost is terrifying. It looks like Krampus, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not quite as scary as Mickey's Christmas Carol. I don't know if you've seen that one before where... Uh, not for a long time. I need to. I need, I need to go back and watch it. Yeah. So just um, sort of, yeah, I, I should... It's just right on my Disney Plus. So I should watch it. <laughs> uh, but when uh, Scrooge gets to the grave and sees that it's him, they literally, like, throw him into a fiery coffin. Oh, um, yeah. So it's not quite that scary, but like the fact that it has no face and you're like, is there a face in there or is is it just like a hollow robe? It, yeah, it just kind of makes your skin crawl. Yeah, because that's one thing that these guys were amazing at was puppetry. I mean, they they did the Ninja Turtles. They did, I mean, freaking Labyrinth is amazing. They kind of, this mm-hmm. is what they knew how to do. And each spirit is completely different. Like I know for Christmas past, they um, made a very special puppet and then filmed her underwater. So she's got that very ethereal thing going on and then superimposed it on the, on the thing, which is so cool. Then you have, uh, I I love the ghost of Christmas present. He is the best. He's my favorite. Um, But he's just a big, like man-sized, Oh, we actually can change sizes to any grows old. Mm-hmm. In fact, the detail that he grows old during the day is such a cool detail. Like he, when he says, I have 8,000 brothers, it's because he's been, he, he's born in the morning and he dies at night. I think that is such an yeah. amazing little detail. Yeah. So well done. I think I read somewhere that they had four of the um, ghost of Christmas present mm. puppets mm. Um, because they do have a small one big one um the old one mm. and i could be wrong about that though i read that a long time ago but, but I, th- I think that's what i read that um, would make sense yeah and then of course you've got the ghost of christmas yet to come who's just this terrifying hollow figure and the designs of each are just so um ingenious in a way yeah and they works well have you read the christmas carol i have yes Okay, um, I feel like she doesn't have the flame on top of her head, but the in the book she's described as like very like shifting and mm. she changes a lot. Yeah, and I feel like this is a f- very good representation of that because it feels like you can never quite get a clear look at her and that's probably because of the superimposing and the mm. the water movement and stuff i just feel like she's a really good uh ghost of christmas present um just yeah. so ethereal and makes you feel kind of like I don't know, what's happening yeah uh, you're just off balance around her and i think that's great yeah it really is and um the it's actually a really solid adaption i mean i know the great gonzo is actually reading passages from um from the when he's narrating he's actually reading from the Christ, actual christmas carol which i think is really cool um so yeah there's a few oh i'm sorry go ahead you go ahead yeah oh there's a few things that are kind of left out like scrooge's mm. sister um but overall it's a pretty close adaptation yeah it, it is i mean they kind of play around with it i mean because uh this is when gonzo's best friend was rizzo um who this is the movie that made me fall in love with rizzo it's just like he's kind of awesome um but the so they're, they're sort of hanging out they're talking and they're talking about the story tell and they're talking to the audience 
Um, and the, the goofy things are happening, but then when Gonzo is actually reading the prose, it actually, again, as we talked about with um, Nativity, it kind of grounds it nicely and it brings mm-hmm. out that, I mean, yeah, we've already talked about how in Germany you had a, like a scary horned Santa creature coming after you. Um, the British love ghost stories. Uh, my favorite thing I've just discovered because I've, I've got a shitty DVD, but I might get the BFI um, nice collection is the uh, ghost stories for Christmas where they adapted a whole oh, bunch yeah. of NJ James or in a camera with the author's name. It was an author I really like. And they, my, but my favorite is the Dickens uh, adaption of the signalman, um, which is incredible. Uh, Dickens could write an amazing ghost story that was creepy with pathos and too much pathos for Dickens. He would go on the other side and you're like, okay, calm down with the sentimentality, but he could, um, yeah, he could really kind of um, do this. I mean, I only got into Dickens in my 20s because I definitely tried to read him in my teens and got bored very quickly. And it wasn't until oh, I yeah. think, yeah, the Bleak House miniseries came out. I'm like, I'm going to read more Dickens and then fell in love with him. Uh, but it is, yeah, but he can do that. And I think this movie really brings out that kind of fairly gothic sadness uh, that the Muppets don't usually do that often. Yeah, it is you know, thinking about, okay, Treasure Island, that's kind of a fun adventure mm. thing. This this is a much darker story. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, ha- I hadn't really thought about that before. Yeah, no, because I one of my favorite uh, Doctor Who episodes is the uh, their actual Christmas Carol one, which I think is uh, great because they bring, mm. somehow bring robots into it again. I'm like, of course you did, you're Doctor Who. <laughs> but... Um, I think Gambon plays the Scrooge. It's it's really, really, really good. I mean, this has been, I think Christmas Carol is one of the most adapted literary things ever because it's such one of those just well done stories of a man who's got to reckon with his uh, mortality and realize that he fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he did, he did, he's not lived a good life. And so he's not going to, yeah, no one, people are just going to go into his house after he's dead and just like take out everything he owns to try and because he, he means nothing to people because he's just treated people like dirt. Which is this amazing song. Um, is, I think that's the, is that the first song um, where they're singing about Scrooge? Yes. Um, yeah. Us. Oh, it's such a good song. It is. Uh, yeah. And it, the songs are actually really good. I think it was like the one thing when I was younger, I used to say, I like the movie, but I don't like the songs. And now I'm just like, what is wrong with you? The songs are amazing. Um, it feels like Christmas, which is what Christmas present sings is my oh. favorite. I love Molly and Molly. Um, yes. Is just with those two guys are just the best. Um, yeah. No, the songs really work and they do what a musical is meant to do. They kind of further the story of um and kind of kind of letting you know what the mood is in that particular moment yeah um since we're talking about the songs how do you feel about um when the love is gone i miss it i think it should be back in the in the movie uh you can watch it as an extra um but i really love that that song because i think it kind of sets up the fact that scrooge is losing his, his, the love is gone for him like he he can't he doesn't know how to relate to another human being so he just kind of says bah humbug a lot yeah I think it's great because so we had the VHS when I was a kid which included that mm. but when I got the blu-ray it doesn't have it on there yeah. and it just like the emotional arc doesn't work 
Um, yeah. Because he's just saying they they're talking and they break up and then you cut to um, Rizzo like sobbing and it was like, isn't that sad? Okay, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not that sad. Um, but the song, oh, and then and Michael Caine in the end of that song when he's crying, it's mm. like. How could they cut? And I also felt so bad for that actress, too, because she was like, ah, this, you know, I'm in this movie. And then she's in it for like a second. Yes. Like and they and they cut cut out the song, which I think sucks, because I think it really does really nail on the head the regrets that Scrooge has. And Mm -hmm. you don't you don't get that sense of regret that he's he's now carrying around with him um, after watching that moment. Cause he says, I don't want to see that moment because that's when his heart broke. That's when he lost his heart. Um, yeah. He lost the woman that he loved and he will never get her back. And I think, yeah, I think whoever thought that song was too sad for kids. I think they should put that song back in. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. If there's a Blu-ray out there with that song added back in, I would be very happy. It's just like, it's so annoying to have to go watch it after you've watched the movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. So, so, yes. Yes. Because nice, you're listening to this, I know. Oh uh, yes, put obviously. It, put the song back in. <laughs> yes. Put the song back in. That was a that was a bad choice. Um, it, no, but it keeps doing that even when they're being silly. Like when you go to Kermit and Miss Piggy's house. Uh, God, Miss Piggy's um, just just a class act. She's she's the best ever. Um, oh, yes. When she's kind of playing the mother role but you know that she's not that. So when um, she's just like, Kermit's trying to do this really nice speech about Scrooge, the fact that he's this boss and the, he's, the money he makes provided the Christmas, she's just like going, she's just like being snarky as all hell. I'm like, yeah, you go, Miss Piggy. And then she even threatens to beat him up at, at the end. I'm like, yes, do the, yeah. do, do your hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think she says like, to Mr. Scrooge, mm. uh, though he's odious and something else and badly dressed mm. and the uh, uh, Bettina and Belinda, uh, Belinda are like, <gasps> <laughs> no, I do love it. That's the worst thing. He's badly dressed. He's badly dressed. Because to Miss Piggy, that is important. Uh, no, I love yes. the fact that the two girls love their dad, but too much. I'm like, that is, of course, Miss Piggy's uh, daughters. That's exactly what they would do. Yeah. <laughs> I have always loved Kermit and Piggy's relationship. Whoever came up with the idea that those two are in love, genius. I don't know if it was Hanson. I put it on him because I, I love him. But the fact that whoever thought those two needed to get together and is now the great romance of our time, I think is brilliant. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because um, yeah, it's weird in the show. It's Miss Piggy constantly hurting on Kermit and Kermit just not having it. And then in the movie, it's just like, oh, screw it. Those two are in love. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, they finally got together. Um, no, I just, oh, I love every single one of these characters. I, I The opening scene when you kind of see all the Muppets together kind of hanging out is the best because you have all these characters, you yeah. know, like the the fish guy and, and the dogs and, and I, I don't know. It, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, the boomerang fish yes. while they're fresh. <laughs> it's oh. uh, it's yeah, it is absolutely perfect. I think you even get some of the just more random kind of background Muppet characters, but the fact that they're all there just makes me happy. Though this is one of the only ones that doesn't have any Sesame Street characters in, which how do you feel not having any of the Sesame Street characters in the background? Hmm, I hadn't really noticed that mm. before. Um 
You could have easily had an Oscar the Grouch in this. This he would have fitted right in. <laughs> oh yeah, you definitely could have. Um, mm. Yeah, he probably would have loved the streets of London. He um, would have. Everyone was awful to each other, and Grouchy would have been perfect. He would have gone. I like the old Scrooge. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't really have any strong feelings yeah. about it. Uh, what about you? No, I know. I just read a fact that sort of I was reading about it and said, oh, yeah, there's no Sesame Street character. I'm like, oh, there isn't. I didn't notice. Like, that's never actually um, bothered me. Um, I've always sort of seen them as two separate kind of universes anyway. Like when I was really young, it was all Sesame Street. Um, and then when I got a little bit older, it was all about the Muppets. So I think it was kind of like the sort of graduation from um, Sesame Street to the Muppets anyway. But no, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same. Interesting. Yeah, because Big Bird is in um, the Muppet movie. Yes. I remember that. He's going to break into public television. <laughs> and he did. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I, yeah, I do love the Sesame Street characters. Uh, well, Sesame Street characters that were popular when I was a kid. So um, Oscar the Grouch, Big Bird, um, Cookie Monster, all those kind yeah. of guys. But uh, I think when I got older, I just gravitated more towards the the Muppets because they have this um, insanity and bonkersness with, with the heart. Like it's the Muppets were never trying to teach you a moral lesson. I mean, Jim Henson was always about making things for the kids so they could enjoy and for education. That was definitely what Sesame Street did, but the Muppets weren't necessarily always there to teach you. They were just there to put on a show which yeah. I think as a kid, I really liked. And this is kind of exactly what the Christmas Carol is. It's them putting on the production of A Christmas Carol. I'm wondering, cause this is the first, um, is this the first uh, like uh, book adaptation or had they done other, uh, I mean, I know this is the first feature film, but mm. um, I didn't know if they'd done any other ones because it's kind of like, oh, how did they decide to do this? Um, Yeah, this is their first um, adaption. They hadn't done, I think the last movie that they had done would have been uh, Muppets in Manhattan. Uh, So I think this was absolutely the first adaption and it worked, like it worked really well. So that's when they went and did um, uh, Treasure Island. Yeah, I'm just... uh, it's curious to me, like, who was like, you know what, let's, let's do this classic story. I mean, it's great. I'm so happy they did. But you sometimes just wonder, like, what, what made somebody decide that this was a good idea? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I'm not entirely sure either who came up with the idea. I'm just looking at the order of the movie. Yeah, it was the Muppet movie. It was the Great Muppet Caper, Muppets Take Manhattan, sorry. The Muppet Christmas Carol, um, whatever bunny animal songs is, um, and then Treasure Island. Okay. Yeah, then Muppets in Space, which is still haven't seen, actually. Um, yeah, it is. It, yeah, so that, I don't know why they decided to actually, um, oh, there's a Muppets Wizard in Oz. Oh, I need to see that. Um, there's a, um, I don't know who came up with it, but I think it was a really good idea. It, because it kind of is almost works. It could work just as a satire. Oh yeah. The Muppets are taking on different characters. So you've got obviously uh, Kermit, but they cast really well. I mean, of course you're going to have, when you sort of see that you're like, of course Kermit's uh, a Cratchit. Of course um, the, uh, the hecklers, uh, uh, Marley and Marley, of course, um, of course Gonzo was Dickens. Of course he is that. 
I don't know why that makes sense, but it just does. All the casting in this just makes sense. And they knew enough to say, okay, so we're going to have the band at some stage. Okay, let's say at Fozzie Works party and we're just going to let them act how they usually would in any situation. So if Animal has to keep tapping the triangle, he's going to get annoyed <laughs> and then start going mental on the drums. It's It rises fine line of them playing a character the Muppets actually playing a character, but also them being themselves. It's yeah. I love that so much. Like Fozzie bear is still being Fozzie bear, even though he's not technically being Fozzie bear. Yeah. They're still getting yeah. heckled. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And the fact that, yeah, Kermit is Kermit, but that works perfect for Bob Cratchit. And, yeah. Um, the, um, yeah, Statler and Waldorf as Marley, like, because we get really no information about Marley other than he was just kind of like Scrooge uh, greedy, yeah. but they're perfect yeah. for it. And oh my gosh, their speech during the Fozzie Wig party um, is it was so short. great. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It was stupid. It was pointless. It was short. I loved, loved it. it. I do that. I'll do that to my sister all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. It was, um, it's just kind of perfect. I mean, I kept sort of thinking of the the fam when the family guy did all the style, the original Star Wars tri- uh, trilogy. And I'm mm. like, some of that feels a little forced, but yeah, Peter Griffin's always going to be Han Solo. That's kind of, and I still find those a little bit funny. But the uh, Buffer Christmas Carol does it so well. Yes, Kermit yeah. is always going to be Bob Cratchit and he can be Kermit and Bob Cratchit at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Miss Piggy, of course, is Mrs. Cratchit because of Kermit. And yet she yeah. is still Miss Piggy, like, and badly dressed. Um, yeah. <laughs> it is still kind of that. And um, even when you, oh, my favorite friggin' moment is when you have Sam the Eagle um, as the headmaster. And yes. he goes, it's the American way. way. Whisper, whisper, whisper. It's the British way. He does a little question mark. Like, Why am I British? Yeah. <laughs> he does a little look. He does that. And he looks at Gonzo going, why? What, what, why am I British? Yeah. Because <laughs> we're in a British thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's perfection. I mean, that's all that it is. It's it is. Just, um from the set design is because when it just started the music started playing and that opening shot where it's just kind of like the roofs of the houses and then it kind of starts pulling out and you see more of it it just like fills my heart with glee and joy and um you know it's beautiful that one scene where it's christmas eve and kermit standing there and then the star shoots across the sky it's like that is just gorgeous it is. I love Kermit's song of saying, uh, singing about Christmas Eve. And it's really happy. Everyone's sort of ice skating. Everyone's kind of, I mean, that set just fills me with joy. Just watching people walking around it. I mean, it's, I think it's just like a crisscross street. That's all it is. And they're just redressing it occasionally. But um, yeah, it just fills me with so much joy watching them interact with the street and then them singing. And then the stinger at the end of the song is you had the little, I don't know the rabbit's bunny's name, uh, but he's playing... Uh, Bean Bunny. Bean Bunny. He's playing the orphan boy. And just him wrapped in um newspaper, um, shivering in the cold. Like it's, it's so just sad. it's so sad. Uh, because this movie is also about the haves and the have nots. That's kind of that was 
thickened shtick. Um, and this is kind of the thing. And just to sort of remind you that um, that this is Victorian London and a lot of people are doing it hard. Uh, and even Bob Cratchit, who is kind of always talked about in, in the movie and in the book as being kind of poor, but he's probably more lower middle class. Like they can still afford a goose as Rizzo gets very excited about the fact that he can smell a goose. Um, God, I'd love, I'd love good food jokes and Rizzo has the best of them. Um, and so it kind of shows, which is very cleverly just weaving in what Dickens did a lot, just weaving in these different social classes and how other people kind of see them and everything like that. And even uh, Scrooge is like, Oh, they have, they don't have that much. I'm like, well, they, they're not, doing too bad but you do pay him and you pay him very little so yeah <laughs> but yeah this is yeah when um kermit says the founder of the feast is is scrooge it's kind of a backhanded compliment in a way because it's like going yeah he paid for this and it's a, it's a little shit but oh my yeah. god roast roast goose oh my god so good <laughs> oh yeah, and then you get your moments of insanity where Rizzo falls down the chimney and is standing on the hot goose and <laughs> just t- dancing. Hot, 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 hot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then Gonzo is like, oh, "You have all the fun." <laughs> I love the, the fact that they kind of um, Gonzo's character character developed as this masochist who kind of enjoys pain, and they kind <laughs> of bring that in a little light. They don't overdo it, but they bring it in lightly when. They kind of hooked themselves when uh, screw, uh, but cocaine's playing with the ghost of Christmas past and they're flying oh. toward the light to go back in time. And they've hooked the grapple, pretty much grappled it on. They're flying through yeah. the, um, and they've been banging through the trees and you can tell that Gonzo's having the best time and Rizzo's just having <laughs> the worst. And then when they emerge, of course, Gonzo's made friends with a chicken and he just introduces Rizzo <laughs> to Rizzo. I'm just like, well done that 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 thank you just just remembering who gonzo is and just having those little moments of just like oh man you have all the fun and then him heading on a chicken when he can i'm like <laughs> yes thank you for remembering the fact that gonzo is a big weirdo yeah. <laughs> oh. he has his kinks and we're not here to judge but i do love the fact that they just peppered them in just lightly the fact that he was there to do a job but he's also gonzo yeah <laughs> Oh, there's this um, this big thing every the first weekend of December, and I have absolutely no idea how it got started, but it's called Dickens on the Strand, and it's in a beach town in Texas, mm. um, Galveston. And actually, last year, uh, Charles Dickens' like great great grandson or whatever was mm. there for it, and I was like, oh man, that's so cool. I've always wanted to go, but I never have been able to. But my sister and I want to go as. Rizzo and Gonzo from Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> yes, you should totally do that one day because it'd be so much fun. It sounds like it. Um, yeah, because those two, they just work so well together. They're just the, the dialogue that they have and the fact that um, when you first see them, they're selling apples. Of course, Rizzo has just got like an apple in each hand just munching yeah. away. Is It sets up their kind of characters beautifully. And I love how Gonzo is taking this seriously. Um, mm-hmm. But not too seriously. Like he kind of knows that this is a story and that he's telling the story and that he kind of knows when things are going to happen, which always surprises Rizzo. It's like, how do you do that? He's like, I'm omnipotent. What do you, this is what I do. Um, which is perfect for Gonzo being the narrator. Cause he's always been a little bit outside the Muppets anyway, like the way they've developed this character over the decades. Um, he's always kind of been a little, which is why they made him into an actual alien. Um, he's always been a little bit outside the thing, but I do love how he's always kept his kinks. I'm like, good. Don't, don't forget his kinks. They, those are the most important thing about Gonzo. <laughs> <It's his> chicken <laughs> fetish. 
Oh. I, I get very personal when it gets the Muppets, but um, no, this movie is just, it's all delight. It's all like one of my favorite jokes is so simple, but it's when they're at the schoolhouse and you're seeing the Muppet versions of all the great writers from the Greeks right up. And then there's just oh. Gonzo and Rizzo sitting there. I don't know why I love that so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they get squashed, but it's, um, <laughs> it's such a perfect moment of just kind of acknowledging literature. And then you end with Dickens and it's Gonzo. And I'm just like, that, that is just, I don't know why that's perfect for me, but that, that just works. <laughs> Yeah, it's just those little moments that aren't necessarily anything per se, but it's hilarious um, and just works so well. Or uh, like, I love the moment when um, uh, Rizzo or Gonzo says, you were never a lonely child. And Rizzo was like, I had uh, 1,500 brothers and sisters. And it's like, yes, rats do not know what it's like to be lonely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's just so many wonderful little moments in it. Um, okay, other question for you. Did you ever have a crush on Fred? Not Fred, no. Um, okay. Yeah. You, you were a Fred guy? Fred girl, I should say. Um, I didn't realize that until I got older. And then I was like, you know what? I think when I was a kid, I had a little bit of crush on Fred. And my sister was like, I think I did too. <laughs> no, Fred is um, is really kind of sweet. And just the way um, he kind of just barges into the, um, to the Scrooge's kind of thing and just goes, you should have a Merry Christmas. And it's just like, yeah. and he's like, but humbug. It's kind of it's it kind of shows that um Scrooge does have, I mean, yeah, they don't deal with the sister, but it does show that like, he kind of has this outside world that he could go to if he wanted to. And when he does, they realize that they're constantly mocking him because he's pretty much being an arsehole. I mean, I would, I mean, that line of saying it's unwanted, it's not a cockroach, it's not a rat, it's not a something else, but it's oh. unwanted. Oh, it must be Scrooge. I'm like, well, people do not like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is a very harsh moment. I mean, mm. not that he doesn't deserve it. He kind of does, um, yeah. Yeah, to to hear that, especially when he'd been having such a good time. It's, yeah, just an emotional punch there. And another thing that this movie just gets right. It's like, oh, we're having so much fun, and now we're going to bring it back into the reality. Yes, and it's a really good way because... Before, Scrooge never really cared about what people thought of him or he acted like, but he actually really does. He actually likes the fact that his nephew comes to visit him, even if he's yeah. like being a real dick about it. But he does actually like that. So when he finds out what, he's, uh, what his nephew actually thinks of him, it's a heartbreaking moment, but it's kind of what he needs because he's like, oh, I brought this all on myself, didn't I? I could have, if I had just done things a little differently, I wouldn't have people calling me badly dressed and comparing me to a cockroach. Um, it's it, it, like, I love the moment when it's a, it's a future thing. And then they're kind of talking about the guy. He doesn't quite, he kind of knows that it's, they're talking about him. He just doesn't want to admit it. And they're talking about the things that they've gone into the house and taken away. Like the sheets are still warm. It's like, Oh, that's the only warm thing about him. Oh, look at these curtains. Oh. Yeah. They're really cheap. I mean, they're dissing even his things that he owns. Um, and they're kind of breaking it down to um, nuts and bolts, like just how much this man is actually worth monetarily, because that's how we see the world. And um, it is the, so when he is kind of transformed into like, Oh, I need to be a decent person. He gives his, um, 
his his work is the coal for the fire so they're not freezing um though my favorite joke oh, yeah. still in the movie is like how would you be I like to be unemployed heat wave <laughs> yes <laughs> um i still love that that moment that was my favorite joke as a kid i still love it um but yeah he's he goes and buys the biggest turkey he he kind of goes okay if people see me as money I will show them how much money I have by giving it away. And I think that is um, such a cool moment. And when Beaker gives him the scarf, it is this really sweet moment of, oh, you're giving me what you have um, as thank you. And I will treasure that small thing. It's yeah, it goes back to what these other movies, all these other movies have been talking about. It's kind of the Christmas spirit as in generosity being nice to people that you may not like. It is that kind of remember to be a human being. (laughs) Yeah, and to treat everyone else like a human being, too. Exactly. Um, Mm. Yeah, it's... I mean, there's a reason that this story has been adapted so many times Mm. and continues to be in, you know, there's stage productions done and radio plays, and it still Mm. sells so many copies. It just... um, Because it just really gets to it and then it's also a little bit scary too it is i still love the bit where guns is like and rizzo like we're out we'll be back at the end yeah. <laughs> it's just like we're done this is this is too intense um but i like that i like when kids movies i mean this is probably more of a kids movie than any of the any other three originally were but i like how when they they're not afraid to go dark yes they did, they did take out the lovers gone which they need to put back in because of those reasons but the fact that they were able to go dark with this movie i mean this movie is about death ultimately like that's kind of what it is that's yeah. what it's leading to it's it, it, it's scrooge having to reckon do you want people to remember you well or do they want you to not remember you at all and i think he wants to be remit and the whole thing of he takes away from this is like I want to be remembered well. So therefore, what do I have to do to change my behavior? Um, is Do you have another uh, Christmas Carol adaption that you really like? Oh, um, you know, I've seen quite a few of them, but none that I just watch regularly. Um, I don't know. What about you? I like the Richard Donna, but I don't, but every single time I put on a Christmas Carol, it's usually this. Yeah. <laughs> I keep saying, I need to branch out and watch more Christmas Carol movies. I'm like, but I could watch Muppet Christmas Carol again. <laughs> I I haven't seen the new um, Scrooge or no, Ebenezer, I think. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called on Netflix um, that Luke Evans does the voice of Scrooge. Oh, yes. Um, I also know there was the Christmas story, which is about Dickens actually writing a Christmas carol, but I think that might have Dan Stevens, which I'm surprised I haven't seen that yet. Um, purely that one's Dan good. Stevens. I enjoyed yeah. that. I have no idea like how accurate it is mm. or anything, but as a movie, it's very entertaining. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. Um, you know, Scrooged is definitely a fun one. Oh, yes. Uh, um, and then, of course, there's been a lot of, like, made-for-TV ones, mm. some that are, like, gender-flipped. Um, like, I th- think there might be one called Carol or something like that, where it's uh, a lady, Scrooge, um, who's, like, a executive or something that runs a Christmas thing, and then she has to have the ghosts come and visit her. But I don't know. Th- this is definitely my favorite version. Um I- yeah, there's so many different ways you can tell the story. Like, I really love a, it's a hammer horror. No, that's not even a horror. It's a hammer thriller, I should say, but it's made by Hammer Studios 
called Cash on Demand, which has got a slight Scrooge feel about it because um, you've got a mean bank manager who gets robbed. And it, it does kind of fit into that really nice Scrooge kind of mentality of someone having to learn their lesson um, by something happening to them. Um, there are so many ways you can tell this story, but no, I, I do love mm-hmm. Scrooge a lot. I think Bill Murray as a... Um, as a creepy uh, the TV executive, it worked really well. And Carol Kane as the ghost of Christmas Past. Oh, oh my gosh! And who's uh, she's amazing. I think they got what's his name from the New York Dolls to be the ghost of Christmas Present. He's the taxi driver. It's um. Oh yeah, yeah. It's just it's just works so well, and the fact that they're doing this really terrible TV thing, I just I love. <laughs> it's just they're making the version of the Christmas Carol, which I I kind of love. Um, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. This is such a malleable story, and I think that's why it gets keeps getting retold and retold. Because one, it's so Christmassy, Christmas yeah. is everywhere, and that's so you can do like the whole big just vomiting decorations and snow and just everything like that. But it, then it's also got this amazing pathos, and I think you can kind of see it how it's kind of rippled through how we tell Christmas stories. It's because you can blend all these kind of genres into one. Yeah. Um... And one thing you were saying earlier, sorry, that I'm going to mm. go back to about being scary for kids. Um, you know, kids really like creepy stuff. They do. Um, mm. So they probably love that, that it does get kind of scary. Mm. I know when I was a kid, I did like some of the Don Bluth um, things could get creepy at times. And I really, really love it. Like, yeah, Secret of Nim is terrifying. I, I watched it as an adult, <laughs> and I'm like, this is kind of scary um, for a kid. I loved it. Um, no, I remember loving that as a kid. I remember we had we had read the VHS, and it was terrifying. And then I rewatched it again when I was older, going, I used to watch this all the time. Wow, this is this is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, it probably like it's good that they were able to lean into that. Um, mm. But yeah, sorry, I don't have no. I think it's thought about that. <laughs> no, it is good because um, the story is creepy anyway because it is a ghost story. It is yeah. about it is a, that, that's what it is. It's a ghost story. It's a haunting. Um, and the fact that they were able to lean into that, I think, was the smart move and to actually keep it grounded. As we talked about with Michael Caine's performance, when he's walking to his grave, it's a terrifying moment because this is a man who's ultimately realizing his own mortality, uh, and. Yeah. Um, he plays it so well. Like he, he could have, this performance could have gone so sideways so quickly if they were winking, but he takes everything so seriously when he's like pleading with, uh, the ghost of, uh, yet to come, um, or the spirit of Christmas yet to come. He's pleading with him to talk to him. Like, can you please talk to me? Like, and he's getting nothing back. It is, yeah. it, it's a truly terrifying moment. Um, Yes, so much. Um, uh, it, yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to say about egg the 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 amazing Muppet Christmas Carol? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think I think we did pretty good job with it. Yes, I think I, I kind of tempered my. And this is awesome. And this is though I did do that a lot because guys, it's the Muppet Christmas Carol. It's an awesome movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Thank you so much for coming on for this. This has been an absolute um, pleasure as always. I, I love um, getting to hang out and talking Christmas movie and talking just movies with you. Yes, thank you so much. This was a really fun triple to do. And it also uh, made sure that I got to watch these because, you know, sometimes 
it gets busy and then you're like, oh, I didn't get to watch that one thing that I wanted to. I definitely got these in this year. Yeah, this is good. And like, I usually, I'm like, oh, I'm going to make sure I'll get Krampus in, which is perfect excuse me for a podcast to go, I'm going to do a podcast yeah. episode about Krampus. Make sure I actually watch Krampus. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do get busy. This is a very busy time of year. So everyone who's uh, recording for me in December, I thank you a lot. I realize how insane this time of year is. So um wasn't that organized like I was last year. Um but thank you so much for coming on, uh, Laura. I appreciate it greatly. And again, always so much fun. Before we go, please tell people where they can find your good work. Okay. Um, so my personal stuff is Canon with two N's, Laura C. And I'm on Instagram, Letterboxd, um, and Twitter uh, for as long as Twitter is with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my podcast, Fatal Fems, which had to take a hiatus due to my school and then due to some family stuff, but we are coming back very soon. Excellent. Um, uh, same thing. Uh, so it, yeah, it's Fatal Fems, um, and we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, our website is fatalfemspodcast.com. And I think we're on most of the things, Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, there may be a couple that I haven't gotten onto the new ones, mm. but yeah, check us out. Um, we will have some new episodes coming soon. We've just had a lot of family issues and I had to move countries and mm. stuff. So uh, we didn't get to do what we wanted to do for the rest of the year. It's, life gets in the way and you've been having a hell of a year, not in terms of all your family stuff, but just in terms of you being away and studying and doing amazing things. And uh, also you sounds like you've been working a lot of uh, trying to work on a lot of uh, film projects. So uh, keep an eye out for that because uh, yeah, that sounds absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, and once once the Christmas film that I worked on um, is out, I will post. I'll send you the link um, whenever it's up for people to watch. Yes, please do because we. Yes, I cannot wait to check that out. Um, yeah, shock and all is on all the apps. I'm pretty sure. Let me know if we're not on one. I'll see if I can figure out how to get on it. Technology is hard. Um, and yeah, uh, shock and all one on Twitter as long as it's around Instagram. Um, and yeah, if you want to follow me personally, it's just reading geek at Twitter. Um, and yeah, this has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we got to talk about these movies, especially discovering nativity was pure joy. Um, and I can't wait to have you back at some on at some point. So thank you so much for coming on again and we'll be back for another double feature. All right. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.